0: Hey, Spit and Chicklets listeners, you can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Welcome to episode 131 of Spit and Chiclets, presented by New Amsterdam Vodka. Let's say hello to everybody this evening. Go to our producer Mikey Grinelli down New York City first. What's shaking, that guy? What's up, boys? Big show today. Very excited. Yeah, Very whatever good. you cry, baby. <laughs> nice, <getting laughs> nice. Don't you maybe want to address
1: that, you little bitch? All right. So, so I guess I guess we're gonna do this now. I yeah, ne- before me and Wit's intro. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna. So yesterday, Wit took a video of me at the bar after a bet, and I'm getting a ton of shit. People saying I'm crying, and I wasn't crying. I was laughing. I was laughing so hard because I'm such a fucking joke. I'm the biggest joke in the world. Well, like, what a brutal way to tell the story,
2: the, the main part of the story. And by the way, what up? What up, everyone? And uh, speaking <laughs> of that, should I actually start talking like this? Oh, man, yeah, dying, That is one of the funniest. I listen to that at least 10 times for people who don't know. Somebody... Somebody what is it they how did, what did they do to my voice they slowed it down one and a half times half speed. they put it on they put the podcast on half speed <laughs> it sounds like i am it sounds, sounds, like, oh, it sounds am. like it sounds like i'm on an ambo and like two bottles of red and like a couple pink wits but the story that i was going to quickly tell Garnelli we walked into this restaurant bar thing to watch the game and he's like Buffalo is up, and he's like, D-
3: I cannot lose right now. Oh, I, am so, I
2: literally can't lose right now. And I was looking at him. I'm like, this kid is so dumb. What are you talking about? And then what do you know? Eichel scores. Not Eichel not scores. Eichel, like, scores. Eichel scores. When you were saying you can't lose, in my head, I was like, he's so dumb. He can lose easily. He's up a goal. And either way, like, you know, Matthew scored that sick goal, and I just got him right on video. No tears, though. I will back him up on that. No tears, more just laughing at how much of a loser he really is.
1: Complete pigeon. I'm a loser. That was bad. I'm, I'm, I deserved that, though. I, I was being cocky. Way too yeah, cocky. Very, very cocky. Yeah. Very one, cocky. Goal,
0: one goal leads uh, absolutely nothing in NHL gambling these days. And there's the other fellas. Uh, Ryan Whitney just chimed in. Where are you right now, the for the audience? Uh, I just drove home from New Jersey. I was, um,
2: I was out there doing some work for the NHL Network. And I, you, and I actually came up. You know how I'm a stat guy when I come home, boys? Oh, yeah. I just wanted to do this one quick. Like We're just getting this out of the way quick. I couldn't believe this stat. <laughs> I love this one. I wrote it down on my phone. Look. Miko Rantanen, and now this has changed. I think he now has 47 points. Either way, at the time, he had 45 points through his first 27 games, all right? Nine people have done that since 1993, 1994 season. You know who the nine guys are? Or no, it happened nine times. I think maybe seven people. Ron Francis, decent. Wayne Gretzky, ever heard of him? (laughs) Jaromir Jagger? all-time legend, played for about 15 teams. Sidney Crosby, thanks for my money. Evgeny Malkin, thanks for my money also. Sergei Fedorov was able to play defense in the NHL out of nowhere when he was really a superstar forward. And then the last guy, Mario Lemieux, did it twice. Also, thanks for signing the checks on the money Sidney and Malkin gave me. So, those guys, he was the first guy, he was the first guy since all of them to do it. He's on pace for 135 points, which would win every scoring title in the NHL since 1995, 1996. So, shout out to me Nico Ranton and that sixth start. We can now continue the podcast because I got my stats out the way.
0: Fucking hilarious. And last but not least, our buddy, Paul Biznasty, Bissonette.
3: Are you back from LA or are you still out there? How are you? <laughs> <Wait, laughs> so I figured I'd chime in. I just got back from LA, boys. I had a, a great time. We did episode two of uh, NHL First Timer. Uh, we had Paige Hathaway. I don't know hey. if you guys saw oh, the Oh my God, please fucking Fizz. rocket Fizz. launcher she is absolute fire huh who is she um to be as classy as i can about it i would let her shit in my <laughs> mouth uh but no but on a serious note stunning toothpaste uh, on the absolute sweetheart uh, i i believe she will come on the podcast she said but she was uh she was we do a party. video one that day Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have her. We'll have her uh, Skype in or whatever, yeah. just to get the video.
2: But I, I was curious before you get into it. What, what, what does she do though? I've never, I've never heard of her.
3: Uh she's she's like hardcore fitness. Like she works out something okay. every okay. day, whether it's Bikram yoga, whether it's uh, you know a Pilates class, whether it's a few workouts. She told me I'd never even heard of. I couldn't tell. Oh, I know. She, her, her body's stunning. Her personality was stunning. She's gorgeous. Uh, she came with her friend, uh, Bear DiDigio. He owns a bunch of paintball parks in Los Angeles area. Oh, buddy, you don't understand how lucrative paintball parks are. Really? Oh, yeah, man. This guy's probably making a million bucks a year off paintball parks. Like, Is like that he a gets, total he, guess? Buddy, he gets like the Lakers come in to, and, and book the whole thing out. He he'll get like Chief Keefe. He'll get he'll get like weird people who you would never know were into to paintball. Just go to his Instagram and and uh, and the the business one, and you'll see all the guys that show up. Uh, I think Kobe Bryant's been there. Dan Balzerian goes in all the time. But uh, did, he, uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh no no he 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 came with her and and they just they they're friends and they fed off each other and it was just great content. One criticism I've gotten so far is like, hey like you know, maybe give this opportunity to somebody who wouldn't be able to afford it. And listen, there's five episodes. We're going to get to that. This one had a little bit more of a script to it. So we needed people who were going to be 100% very comfortable in front of the camera. We, we ran some funny little uh, uh, skits. Uh, I don't want to give too much away, but thank you to the Los Angeles Kings organization, uh, all the people who work for them. I played in the organization. I don't know if you guys know, I helped them win a Calder Cup. So not a big deal there. Uh, but, yeah, we I, we ended up going on the ice between periods and, and playing a little game. We got uh, Bailey, of course, one of the more popular mascots in the league involved. So uh, it, it was fun. I, I'm looking forward for you guys to see it, and uh, that's all i got to say about that.
0: Nice. Looking forward to it. Uh, and before we get to the stories and whatnot, we want to mention we are going to have Bill Burr on a little later, uh, Boston native, uh, world-famous comedian. Come on, he joined us for quite a while. Uh, a wide-ranging, wide-ranging interview was pretty good. Can't wait for you guys to hear that. And uh, big news, basically, we, all, we knew it was going to happen. It was a slam dunk, but it's still a big deal, uh, to, to steal a phrase. 51 years after it started expanding, the NHL basically will stop. I, I would think Seattle will be the last team. They were awarded the NHL's 32nd and I would say final franchise Tuesday on Sea Island, Georgia. And the as-yet-to-be-named team is scheduled to begin play in October of 2021. Uh, It's owned by Jerry Bruckheimer, the famed uh, Hollywood Uber producer, private equity honcho David Bonderman, and longtime sports executive Tim Lewicki. Uh, They put up the $650 million expansion fee, which gets split up among 30 teams. Vegas doesn't get a cut, but they're also exempt from the expansion draft. Uh, They're also spending upwards of $800 million to renovate the 56-year-old Key Arena, which is where the... Seattle Supersonics used to play. It's rare, it's a weird arena. It's like subterranean. You got to like go like in the building and walk downstairs to get to the to the playing surface. It's, it's pretty wild. So they're basically spending about a billion and a half dollars in investment to get this. Uh, basically, they're going to have the same expansion draft rules that Vegas had. So you got to think opposing GMs are going to be a little bit more on their toes so they don't get fleeced like George McPhee undressed them a couple of years ago um and basically yeah it's been uh, so it'll be 21 years since the, the last team true expansion teams which were columbus and minnesota uh right now dave tippett is the only real hockey guy affiliated with them he's gonna be a senior he is a senior advisor he's gonna have a big hand in uh picking both the coach and the gm stevie wise probably a name to keep an eye, an eye out for you think? So guy, uh, i don't know i don't see that We'll see. Uh, we'll co- a couple more things before we get you guys. Uh, to make room for Seattle, obviously, Biz, you know this, they're going to be moving Arizona to the Central Division. We'll Wait, what? To <laughs> a tough travel for the what? Yotes. Now. Yeah, and they already have 33,000 season ticket deposits and an additional 32,000 names on the waiting list. So, um, this man, it, it, this feels like it's a success waiting to happen. Um, Biz, let's go to you first. It's going to affect you more.
3: Well, you know, all I want to say about that, guys, is I'm very proud the way the Arizona Coyotes have been playing lately. They've won four in a row now. And despite getting the news and distraction yesterday of finding out, hey, you're going to be switching divisions and playing against far greater competition, they put that to the back of their mind. They focused on the task at hand and got the job done at Staples Center. So proud of those guys. Aiden Hill, 4-0. and This fucking kid's a stud. He's yeah, he a big is. guy. He's very good at positionally, and when he needs to be athletic, he can be athletic. And I feel like he's just—I'm not getting too horned up. I know he's only played a few games, but uh, you know when someone just has that kind of gamer mentality, I—I I, I think he's got the juice, boys. And, and Coyotes have a, a very good problem on their hands when they have a lot of good goaltenders in their system. They—they they even got a couple other guys in the minors who are like six-five. I think they're—they're they're breeding him in a lab or something in Tucson.
2: Well, uh, it, it, back to the Seattle, the new Seattle team. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, good, good little talk about the, the Oats. I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to crush. I think Seattle uh, – I've been there once. I was on a golf trip. I, we were in one. We went out for dinner. I don't really remember it that well, but it seemed really nice. I do think – or no, I don't think I read that they're the largest city in the country, I think, without an NHL and NBA team, something like that. So it makes sense. I mean, there, there's enough people there to support, obviously uh, – you know, get a diehard get a diehard group of fans together. And Ari, I can't believe you just said there was there's that many season tickets that have already been say there's
0: 32,000 33,000 yeah they got that many people put uh somewhere between 500 and and i think a thousand dollars down within within 24 hours they got that and then they got another 32,000 names uh, on a waiting list so which means like
3: some of these people may not actually buy the season tickets even though they put it in their name in but like they're gonna sell out their season tickets
0: that's absolutely right with the waiting list so yeah
2: and so that, I mean that's great to hear. And you just got to think. You mentioned how the the draft, the expansion draft, won't change. And it and the Seattle owner said basically, I'm sure they said no chance it's changing because Bill Foley paid five hundred million. I just ponied up six hundred and fifty million. So I'm not going to not get the same chance to be successful that he did when I'm paying one hundred and fifty sheets more. So I think that that'll make them maybe not. I mean Vegas, Vegas went above and beyond. We know that. My wallet knows that. My bank account remembers. I was wrong. <laughs> I don't necessarily think that's gonna happen again, but they'll definitely be competitive enough. Um the the quote that I left that uh, too is I think it was Bonderman, the guy. He has like I think he has most of the money. Uh look, I know Bruckheimer's involved, but I'm I'm pretty sure that Bonderman is the principal owner. I, I could be making that up, but I feel like he's got most of the juice in the juice in the bag. But uh he said, uh I usually never talk about personal finances, but this is a few pieces of change that won't be around anymore. <laughs> Fuck off, dude! That's Christ. a guy who, if he woke up with my money,
0: would shoot. He'd kill himself. He'd kill himself. He's, <laughs> he woke up with
2: what I had. He'd kill himself.
3: He used Imagine to how
0: rich he is. He used to be on the board. He was on the board of directors for Uber, but he he got booted off because they had they had uh, a, a, a the first female on the board of directors. I think it was that. Um, Ari- Ariana Hoffington. And she's like, well, what they say, like she I guess they were in a meeting. She said, Oh, they say once you have the board a board uh has one woman, then more more, more women are sure to follow. Do you want to start that one over? Sorry, I did start yeah, a- yeah, yeah, I- the- it. We're gonna keep this hey. on
1: there,
2: but you're just gonna restart that right.
0: That was marble's mouth. So- I know. Ariana Hoffington was also on the joined the Uber board of directors. And she said to the, the the other board of director members that oh once a f- the first woman joins that they say more women follow and then the, that guy bought him and said yeah that's because there's more talking or something <laughs> like fucking and the whole meeting was just like holy fuck they were aghast. they really? ended up like gassing him from the fucking board of directors because he because he basically said women talk
3: too much fucking- yeah but guys with that much money don't give a fuck oh, no, he no he's, he's a it's like, bad he- person like he gives a shit he's like I'll fucking buy your life you loser Shut dude up.
2: it's the ultimate quote of Ernie McCracken when he wins the final tournament he's like i'm finally above the laws he's getting like carried away <laughs> after he beats roy roy what is it McAvoy? no not mcavoy munson munson, munson. munson. <laughs> yeah munson <laughs> i'm okay, finally
3: munson. above the law that um okay i got a few man. things oh, to say here. uh st louis getting a hockey team our st louis fuck what am i saying seattle yeah, getting get the hockey blues team. so hey i chirped ra4 you guys can chirp me i fucked mm-hmm. up take two Seattle getting a hockey team, unbelievable! You got that instant rivalry between Vancouver and they're actually they're actually Mm -hmm. uh, building like a tram where it goes from Vancouver to Seattle. How far are they?
0: uh, monorail? Oh,
3: I'd say a two-hour drive. Oh, really?
2: Dude, maybe a little over that. And and, like like, half and Calgary, Edmonton, you know, Battle of Alberta. Like Vancouver, kind of. I mean, everyone hates Vancouver, kind of. But like to get a real rivalry with Seattle, that's going to be awesome.
3: Yeah. now of course I'm going to go back towards the Coyotes here. It kind of sucks. No, they lose. shut the fuck up. With it, it, they lose their rivalry though. They they lose Vegas because they're going to Vegas is going to stay in the Pacific. So that kind of sucks. Uh, you know they're still going to end up playing each other a few times over the course of a year. Um, shitty travel for Arizona. And, and the biggest comment I got was, "Oh, are you are they pissed because you guys are in a way tougher division?" Well, one, the expansion's happening. We don't know how good anyone's going to be in yeah, three exactly. years. Exactly. And, like, some of these teams that are very good right now, like Winnipeg, like, we don't know who they're going to be able to keep around and, and with, with salary cap issues. And some of their – you know, like a guy like uh, Wheeler, like, he's going to be getting a little older. Buffalo's going to be getting a little bit older. And some of these guys are got a big contract. So they're going to be dealing with the same type of problem maybe Chicago's having right now. Mm-hmm. No offense, Dan, because we're boys with Stan now. Um, but – uh other, yeah, other than that, I mean, I don't think the Coyotes are concerned. Uh, I love it. And, and my last comment about the fact that Dave Tippett's joining the wh- – what's his exact title, sorry, RA? He's a senior advisor. I,
0: I didn't see a, a, an, an actual title for him. Just they referred him as a senior advisor.
3: And here, here's what I like about that is um, I don't know how good Dave Tippett is necessarily coaching and, and uh, evaluating a team as far as high-end talent. Because the the few years in Dallas he had when he had really really good teams they were unable unable to make playoffs, but what he's very good at is is making good teams out of maybe not so much as you saw in our in our teams in Arizona that had a lot of success we made playoffs three years in a row like we had we had a lot of guys who were. A little bit older, a little bit of the outcasts of the NHL, who were on the downturn of their career. Like when we had our most successful year, like we had like Donor, Derek Morris, Adrian um Oh God, who am I forgetting out of those ones? Like was Vermette there then? Yeah, like Antoine Vermette, Radislav like was Like really, there. really good, like third line players, kind of second yes. line players. Yeah, So, so kind of like how. Um, Vegas was able to pick and yep. choose some guys who were maybe undervalued by their teams and and, and tip saw potential. So I think he'll be a good fit in order to do that specific job. And and he was he was an unbelievable coach, very intelligent coach. I, obviously, I don't think the plan is for him to step in as coach. And yeah, more. no, no, uh, not at all. Not gonna be. Okay, okay. So if, if that's already established, but uh, he's a good hockey mind to have around, and uh, and uh, I think that that, that that's going to pay dividends for them. What if, what if he calls Radislav Klesler for a job? Well, how will he
0: respond, Biz? He'll be like, if you bring Harry Knuckles, I'll be there. Harry Knuckles? <laughs>
2: Harry Knuckles?
3: Harry Knuckles.
2: <laughs> oh, that's so fucking Czech good. Ag- this is Czech yeah. accent.
0: Oh, that's
1: gorgeous. That's the uh, only one I got. Oh, Grinnell. Grinnell wants to say What is it, Grinnell, you fucking punk? So, what do you guys think the team name's going to be? Oh, oh. The words are right out of my mouth. That's wow. what we was
0: going to get to. I was going to tell, tell everybody the last pro team in Seattle was the minor league totems of the Western Hockey League. Uh, they played in the WHL until that league folded in 1974. Then they played in the Central Hockey League for one season after that. Uh, the totems is the favorite at Bovada to be the new team name, They're minus 105. There's been lots of clamoring for the Metropolitans. They were in the... Pacific Coast Hockey Association from 1915 to 1924. And they have the distinction of being the first American team to win the Stanley Cup way back in 1917, ironically beating the Montreal Canadiens, the last Canadian team to win the Stanley Cup. But some of these names, man, I mean, I understand the Metropolitans the Totems. I, I hate when teams like steal names from the history. Just be original. and start a new history. But the Emeralds is four to one. I mean, do you really want to be named after a fucking birthstone?
3: No, there was one that I saw, and it was the Supersonics color jerseys. I think the Kraken. No the Kraken. Give, like Give me I, no, the Kraken. I kind of like the Kraken. No, I think it was the Pioneers, or or it was it was the guy who looks not like a Viking, but he's somebody. Fucking throw me a bone here. Yeah, no, I, 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 I
0: have the list that Darren Rovell t- t- tweeted out from Bovada. Um, this this name, the Rainier's. Now, I know there's Mount Rainier, but like I don't know what the fuck a Rainier is. It's seven to one.
3: Oh, they, that's what the one I was talking about was.
0: Okay, I don't even know what a Rainier. Really Are you rain chirping years? what my rain pick was? Years. No, no, I'm just I'm reading the list. Like you know, Mount Rainier, the big mountain there. But oh no, I didn't. I thought there was a Mount
2: Whitney around there. Is that Uh-oh. in California? Uh not there's sure. a Mount Whitney somewhere, I'm there's telling one you.
0: Fucking, there's one just south of Boston. I know that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, my yellow house. Another team, the Sockeyes, Eyes, that's seven to one. That would be the second fish logo. Uh I think the name works. It also won the Seattle Times online tourney. They had, you know, Sock Eye. It's kinda like got a punchy name to it, kind of works for hockey. Isn't that a fish? Yeah. Yeah, it's a okay. fish. That'll okay. be the second fish logo. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Uh, we just mentioned release the Kraken. Uh, that's seven to one. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's a good value bet, but it sure is popular. Uh, people. It's some mysterious sea creature. that has been in a couple of movies and I don't. Yeah, been- and I could hear the announcer just being like power play Kraken. Kraken.
2: So yeah. it's kind of like the power plays buzzing while it's also the team named the Kraken has the power play. You get it.
3: Get yeah, it. How are you? Uh, a couple more here. The Renegade. I'll say this. Yeah, That's a good sell on that name. Whit, and I like it a little bit more after you. Powerplay
4: Kraken.
3: Yeah, it's definitely right. It's right for possibilities for sure. <laughs> who, with the pop culture aspects. And who sure. would you get if you could for a celebrity to say it? And then it oh. would come on the Jumbotron every time. It was like Power Play Kraken. Oh, man. That's a great question. Uh, I feel
2: like cracking? there might have, there might have to be some Seattle roots there. Maybe if you get Eddie Vedder and he's just like,
3: oh, play crack crack it. It. come on, way too
2: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know anyone else from Seattle. I don't know who could do it. I could do it even. I I was on the I was on the big screen for Vegas. Unfortunately, it was me being embarrassed saying they were going to be the doormats. Maybe I could get on the positive side of the Seattle, the Seattle big screen, and and be their You know, announcer
0: for Power plays what's cracking uh this name the renegades at 16 to 1 that sounds like a 1950s fucking street gang that your father was in or something the renegades the renegades tough yeah, game. yeah. sea lions 22 to 1 seals 22 to 1 there's actually the, the of course there were the california golden seals and there's still some of their dna it, still in the uh, nhl in the form of the dallas stars because that's who they eventually became the evergreens 28 to 1 is that for real uh, the neighbor. whales at the whales at twenty eight to one. I feel like if you're going to be a whale, you should be a specific kind of whale. Uh, the cougars at twenty eight to one. They have a logo yes, for this man. already. It's a forty eight year old divorce. Hey, imagine, we naming,
3: <laughs> imagine we just kept naming names for another twenty minutes. Yeah, people like, are going to fan, Fans are were like, puke. "Holy shit!" All right. no, people, but, are like, but then Stop. they were, But people are stubborn. They're they're gonna try to see if they can wait till the end.
0: Yeah, I I figured I'd use the list everybody saw uh, in case they didn't. So yeah, the Cougars, Eagles, twenty eight to one. We already have Penguins and Ducks. I don't. Eagles are are lame.
3: He's still going.
0: And the last one, Firebirds, is twenty eight to one. I think somebody already took Camaros, so they had to go Firebirds. I think the
2: Seattle Thunderbirds are. Are they still a WHL
0: team? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so hey, can't, hey, hey, can't the, do the Seattle Herbal Actives. <laughs> 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 promo code biz. So, anyway, I Seattle one hitters. Promo
3: codes on the shoulders. In three more years, Seattle will be starting up. <laughs> the you Seattle know. Biz 20s. The Seattle CBD. <laughs> 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 uh, fuck me. Oh, shit. Oh the I Seattle Eagle, Eagle,
2: Eagle Energy Biz 20s. <laughs> <laughs> Up to, up to biz 40 for the holidays. You have to put in your promo code to get into the arena. They don't oh.
3: swipe a ticket. They just hey, every time there's the a four-minute minor in their favor, they get the 40% off. All right, what's next? Yeah, one yeah, other gotta, quick we gotta note. Move, we got to move on, boys. Yep.
0: Uh, so yep, Seattle's starting up in three years. Looking forward to it. It'll be here before you know it. NHL's got thirty two teams. That should be it. Um basically if Quebec is gonna get a team, it's gonna come from somewhere else. Uh the NHL is projecting a salary cap for next year at roughly eighty three million. That's about a three and a half million dollar increase, uh, which would take the floor up from fifty eight point eight to Stan's about- gonna be excited about that. 62.3 million. Uh one other big thing that happened, Ty bertuzzi was suspended two games for soccer and Matt Calvert uh at the wings bench after they one of the wings grabbed Calvert's stick. He was kind of jostling, trying to get it back. Uh Ty Bertuzzi dropped his glove, gave him a little uppercut action, ended up getting two games for it. Uh what's your take on that, Wits? I, I thought it was hilarious. I mean, <laughs> I know that.
2: Like, I just was like, this is unbelievable. Like, first the night before, I I love Tyler Bertuzzi's game. Smart player, but plays feisty with passion. And he was trying to fight Marchand all game. We talked about that when the goalies didn't fight. And then the next night, he was he was he had enough of Calvert and you know Larkin had originally grabbed his stick. And then Calvert, oh, I don't blame him. If somebody's holding your stick, you're. I mean, it's a passionate game. You're Give me my fucking stick back. So you kind of might be a wrench. And then at that point, you know, Bertuzzi's like, all right, fine. Instead, you know, it would have been no issue if we uppercut him with his glove on, but drop the glove, quick sucker shot. And you, right after, you can see Larkin looking around. He's like, oh, anyone see that? Well, there's cameras everywhere now, unfortunately. But, I mean, you know, I
3: understand the suspension. I still also think it was just a, a pretty hilarious move. Um, I, th- I like his game, too. He's, he's kind of a poor man's uh, Matthew Kachuk right now. And if he can elevate his game or, or to piss everyone off at home, if he can scale up. Uh, I, I, I said that way too many times last episode, by the way. So that'll be my one and done. What are you going to say, Grinnell? About everyone thinking he's uh son. Oh, really? Was that what was going on on Twitter? A lot of fans embarrass themselves
0: nephew. out He's of nephew. themselves. Yeah, I mean, like, oh, like father, like son. I mean, I thought I'd get one or two of them on in replies because I was having some fun with the Red Wings. Fans oh shit, night.
3: you're saying like hundreds of people?
0: It was oh, yeah. significant. I was, I was actually embarrassed that it was that many people. I mean, yeah, I know the name, hockey names, fans. But it takes two seconds to fucking Google. Like, just Google it so you don't look like a fucking a
3: dummy exactly. on Twitter. Exactly.
2: But um, it's the way of the world. Bert's gonna come on this at some point, Big Bert.
3: He ba- hey, we should do a, a double episode. Have both of them come on. Now, yeah, uh, regarding the issue, is the one thing that does suck, which which it would suck for me because I care about public opinion. I don't know if Tyler Bertuzzi does, but like before that, he I don't think he had a reputation. Now because he's done that, every next move he makes, people are gonna reference this. Like that's, like, that's like one of those things where, like, yeah, you can chuckle about it because no one, no one had some real damage done to them, but it's, it's a horrible look. Like, oh, to I do that, like, I, I, that. I never did something that dirty other than
2: bite a guy's finger. No, I, I don't think it's a great look, but it's also a guy who doesn't really care. And I mean, well, there he, you go. He's he's gonna he's gonna now be in other teams' heads, whether they you know have had instances or examples of him doing shit dirty to them before, or they're just gonna be just going on what they saw by that and just be like, this guy's a rat. He probably wants to be in their heads.
3: Right, and it goes back to some guys who like just don't generally don't give a fuck. Yeah, like I mean, yeah. I, I would imagine that Brad Marchand like laughs him did i say it bad uh, I, loved how how you you it, way, I loved how you said
0: it french way that's all i love how you said it speaking of chuckles um bill burr man i had a lot of fun talking to this guy i never thought i'd be able to talk to one of the best comedians in the world about one of the best tv shows ever but uh that's what happened today we talked to him a bunch of other stuff so
3: while uh, we're gonna send it to bill burr right now this interview is brought to you by herbal active 100 percent hemp based cbd product that's unbelievable for sore muscles, joints. They also have drops for um, mental clarity, um, helps for swelling and inflammation in the body. I've been using it. Witt's been using it. grinelli has been using it. So is RA. It's been great. Tons of positive feedback. I've had tons of people asking me for it. That's Herbal Active, 100% hemp-based CBD. They have an Instagram page, and that's U R B A L. A-C-T-I-V, you can go there and you can send them direct messages, find out more about their product. They have little videos and clips to describe exactly what each product does. Also, you can find them on Twitter. That is, once again, U-R-B-A-L-A-C-T-I-V, Herbal Active. You can go to their website at herbalactive.com. They have awesome customer service. They've hired a few people to answer all your questions. CBD is fairly new. Not a lot of people know a lot about it. So if you have any types of questions, ask them. As I said, it's helped me out a ton for my mental clarity. Helps me out for my sore muscles and joints. They have balm. They have mints for situational um, anxiety, either depression, other things like that. Um, They have dog treats, which is awesome for dogs who suffer from seizures and other types of things. And as I said, herbalactive.com. You can either follow them on Twitter or Instagram to direct message all the questions you have. They know so much about it, so much more than I can tell you, but I know it works. Check it out. Herbal Active. Biz20 promo code for 20% off. You know the drill. We are now pleased to be joined by one of
2: the biggest names in the comedy game, a complete superstar from Canton, Massachusetts, a big-time hockey fan I hear, Bill Burr, thank you very much for joining the Spit and Chicklets podcast.
4: Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me on.
2: Oh, it's our pleasure. It's our pleasure. So we want to get in first to your passion for hockey that I hear about on your Monday morning podcast a lot, your passion for the Bruins. Where did that all begin, and how long have you been a big hockey fan?
4: Um, I would say, I think it was 1980. I, was, uh, I didn't come from a hockey family. My parents were from the Midwest, so they were more football, baseball. So, you know, they ended up moving to Massachusetts. So it was more for my friends. I was like in fifth or sixth grade, and I was over a buddy of mine's house, and we were watching a Bruins game. And this is back when they, when every team wore the whites at home rather than the dark colors. And I just remember Stan Jonathan got into a fight and just beat the crap out of this guy. And, and he just, <laughs> instead of getting kicked out of the game and fine, he just sat down for five minutes and came back out and did it again. And I was, I was just sold. Like, um, I've never understood people who want to get the fighting out of hockey. I think I like it because as much as there are, you know, there can be punks in the league. I always felt there was, you could be more of a punk in other sports just because no one could beat the crap out of you.
0: So Bill, that, that late seventies, early eighties, uh, Bruins team was known as the lunch peel AC was that the first like team you, you fell in love with uh, as a Bruins fan when you know they lost the Stanley Cup two years in a row? Then the too many too many men on the ice incident happened. Was that the first like squad you fell in love with?
4: I for, I fortunately missed that. I came oh. in 1980, and the one that I saw the first Bruins game I went to was in 1983 when we won the President's Trophy. We had the best record in the league. Pete Peters was the best goaltender, was going to win the Vesna Trophy and all this. And The first round was against the Montreal Canadiens, best three out of five. And we went to the old Boston Garden with the French exchange students who rooted for the Canadiens because they spoke French. And and the Canadiens came in, of course, and swept us. We just could never beat them back then. And that was my baptism into uh, beautiful any point where like did you want to start playing hockey or were you like
2: this is too late. I'm I'm a fan forever. I won't No, I was I was
4: I was dying to play. It was just it was just too expensive. And like I said, I, I didn't come from a hockey family. So to try to get football and baseball fans to get up at four in the morning drive you to the rink. I mean, you just that has to be like in you. Already. So we were more like I had a paper route and I played football and baseball. And, and even then, like, I only played football in third grade for a few weeks. And my dad took me out because he kind of was in the medical field. So he saw all that CTE stuff coming. He goes, you're not going to go out there and get your brains blown out. Okay? You're slow as shit. You know, <laughs> do, you're already not doing good in school. The last thing you need to do. I remember I went there and I wanted to play wide receiver. and Both my parents wouldn't let me because Daryl Stingley had just gotten paralyzed. On the Patriots when he played the Raiders, so uh, so like so I had to change positions. And I remember I I didn't I actually said I wanted to play guard because that sounded cool to me. I didn't know I was going to be on the offensive line. It was it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. So
0: it sounds like he was ahead of the curve because I mean it, it sounds so silly now like oh people didn't know thirty years ago hitting your head you know bashing it constantly was going to cause damage. But no, it's people didn't. It's like smoking in the fifties. People thought fucking camels were still good for you for some reason. Yeah, it was
4: it was I I think that everybody knew that you could get punched drunk playing uh, like like boxing. Everybody knew. But I just don't think that they thought about it um, with like just playing football and contact sports. And I think, you know, the leagues were also new and uh, there was only three channels and they weren't going to dedicate any sort of time talking to old time athletes unless they were going to glorify the old days. So there wasn't any Brian Gumbel, real sports. There was no internet. There was was really not a lot of information. But uh, fortunately, my dad, with his medical background, understood the brain was sitting there in fluid, and all the helmet did was protect the skull, but it didn't protect the brain. So, um, you know, I don't know. Still have mixed emotions. I loved playing.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, at least people now know what they're getting into. They, that's really not an excuse anymore. Now, you just mentioned the Boston Garden a few minutes ago. Did you get to spend a lot of time in the Garden as a kid? Did you go to many games, either Celts or Bruins?
4: Oh, yeah. I went to a ton. There's one you guys can look up. I think it was in 85 or 86. It was a bench-clearing brawl between the Canadians and Bruins. Like The first 10 games I went to, because I love fights, was just Bruins-Canadians. And that's back when we had Jay Miller and they had Chris Nyland and John Cordick. We had Lyndon Byers and Cam Neely, all these guys. Everybody was, you know, Gord Kluzak. All these guys were just – even guys who could play could fight. And it was a bench-clearing brawl. It was back when the benches faced each other. And I forget what Nyland did, but they sent him to the dressing room. And back then, believe it or not, the visitor players had to walk by the Bruins' home bench to get to their locker room. So he went by, and either Lindsman said something or whatever. Nyland pushed him. And Lindsman, hilarious, was about my size, ran down the hall after – Chris Nyland, they fought, and, and there was cops involved. <laughs> Nevin Marquardt had a fight at center-right. Terry O'Reilly was the coach. Remember he had a brown sport coat, and he grabbed somebody. And we thought he was going to throw a punch as a coach, wearing a tie. It was crazy. Crazy. But I went to a bunch of those. I saw Mario Lemieux when he was a kid. My big regret was I never saw, I didn't see Gretzky or those great Oilers teams, but I went to countless games. A big deal, we used to go and my buddy, had his dad had a Ford L T D, Ford or a Gigantic, just giant living room. And we used to get a case of this beer back then called uh Heffenreffer, which was known as the Green Death because it was uh it had a higher alcohol content. I mean it was nothing compared to whiskey, but for beer, we were in high school we thought we were badasses because we were drinking it and we used to you know, me and three friends we'd crush a case, you know eight beers a piece, and then we'd go in there and, and, you know, older people would buy beers for you. Like, nothing was police back then. And we'd get hammered watching the Bruins, <laughs> Canadians beating the shit out of each other. It was awesome.
2: That's so funny. You, you mentioned how you used to have to walk through the other team's bench. I mean, in the 70s and 80s and the way hockey was played, I'm surprised nobody got killed trying to go to their locker room chirping an entire team. I remember that game, actually, seeing replays of it. It's so yeah. funny.
4: Yeah, and the benches faced each other, so they didn't have to kind of look down to talk to each other. They were across the ice yep. just staring at each other, yelling, and it just it just elevated it. Another great thing back then was how so many of the rinks were, like, different sizes. Like, it was only regulation from the goal line to goal line. But after that, it was this weird thing where the Bruins had a smaller rink. Like, I remember we played Edmonton. Like, they deliberately in the finals, like, we wouldn't, like, we wouldn't uh, cool, make the ice nice and cool. We had it a little mushy, trying to slow them down. I mean, it was just all that Dukes of Hazard, Boss Hog shit that was going on back then. <laughs> and then of course they'd have they'd have their shit like freezing cold. I mean, it didn't make a difference because they were flying past us. I remember Glenn Wesley missed that open net in overtime, yep. and everybody, talked, everybody was like, "Oh, then we would have we wouldn't have beat those guys. We still wouldn't have." I mean it could have maybe given us a little bit of faith. But, like, I mean, when you, you look at those Edmonton Oilers teams in the 80s, that's like the 74 Pittsburgh Steelers or the – it's like half the team is in the Hall of Fame. I mean, that just doesn't happen, you know?
0: Yeah, after that incident by the benches, I don't know if you remember, they ended up having to get, like, this giant piece of plexiglass that – and, and any time an opposing player come off the ice, the, like an Asher and Cobb had to, like, hold this fucking plexiglass up so, so yeah,
3: they wouldn't yeah, fight be in, put the thing down. Yeah. In, in the fucking hallway I, I, I there. I forgot about that. Hey, where was the oh, Millberry incident with the shoe and all this? Was that beforehand or is this bits
4: of it? Oh, yeah, was, yeah, that was Madison Square Garden and that was uh that was be- I think that was before I went to my first game. That was the early 80s cuz I want to say Wayne Cashman was still on that team. Um and he always gets shit for beating the guy with his shoes. You really watch it. He just takes it off and he winds up like he's going to do it. And if you see this sad loafer in his hand Like, that, life had already beaten the shit out of that guy. There was really no reason to (laughs) beat him with his own clothing.
2: (laughs) It was almost like just a dad back in the day of just giving that to his kid. He didn't actually hit him, or most of the time he did in the Boston area, but that one was just a little threatened. Don't even come near me, you pigeon fan. I hold your terrible shoe in my mouth right
4: now. You know what's funny about that highlight is the Rangers are literally squaring off with the Bruins, and then the second the Bruins start going into the crowd... All the Rangers stopped fighting, they just stand there like, Whoa, whoa, <laughs> oh, this kind of this just, <laughs> just escalated. escalated. What the fuck? It's the funniest shit ever. Because these guys are ready to kill each other and one guy in the stand he he either took somebody's stick or hit somebody on the Bruins and O'Reilly or somebody just went like right up and over. And then that's I think that that even for hockey back then. That was mind-boggling. Even to the Rangers, they were like, whoa, man, what the fuck? (laughs) I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in the Rangers dressing room after that game, if they were like, those, those get Bruins are out of their fucking mind. I mean, <laughs> we're just out here punching each other in the face, bare knuckles. These fucking guys are going in the stands.
2: <laughs> well, actually, I'm, I'm a big-time NBA hater, and people always talk about the malice at the Palace, Detroit, Indiana. I'm like, are you kidding me? You go see the Bruins at MSG. Those guys had skates on, on the concrete, dummying fans. That was nothing in Detroit.
4: Yeah, but I got to say, I, I, I was 100%. Other than the fact that uh, what's his face? Oh, I never forget his name because he switched his name. Whatever his fucking name was back then. Uh, uh, Meta, Meta World Peace. What the hell was his oh, name? Ron Artest. Ron run run Artest. Test. Clown. Ron Artest. And 100% sign off on what he did. And other than the fact that he got the wrong guy, that <laughs> bullshit where an athlete has to you gotta you gotta you know you gotta maintain your composure and all that just Fuck because that. a fan buys a ticket. He gets to say, you know, whatever he wants. And like, back then I was doing a bit, I was like, name one bar in the world where you can take a full beer and throw it in any man's face and you're not in a fight. And not to mention a guy who's a foot taller than you. And it was just such a punk mood how that guy did it. And then he sort of stepped to the side that that poor bastard, who worked at like a Staples, all of a sudden staring down this angry six foot, 10 inch professional athlete, but I, um, you know, I don't know. You can't Professionally, you can't say it, I guess, if you run a league. But I didn't find there wasn't one thing wrong with that. Uh, I wish it happened more. It only needed to happen about three more times, and that would have shut up a lot of fucking people who never had a fight in their life yelling at these people who, if they just stretched, would accidentally knock them out. I hate when people
2: do stuff like that. Yeah, my favorite example Fans is when... The guy's, the guys chirping tied Domi, and all of a sudden the glass falls in in the penalty box. He's like, oh, shit, And Domi just starts unloading on
3: him.
4: Oh, yeah, that's good. I mean, did you see the shape that guy was in? What crushed that glass was not the guy's strength. It was all the pizza and booze the guy had in him. It was just lard. The glass caved in. I mean, that shit was designed for professional hockey players to slam into one another. And this fat fuck just leaned on it. But <laughs> it, just, it just tapped out.
3: <laughs> it, it really I'll say was. this as a guy who's got a few screws loose, I pray for situations like that where it gives me the green light to get in there and just fucking sucker someone. And, 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 hey, like, no, it, it, you, it, you get, never you want critical to fuck about somebody. It. I you don't really want to suck up
4: somebody. You square up with them or don't. You don't want to fucking. Well, that's what I meant. That guy, like, yeah, like, that if guy you're coming has, in and you're going to throw a like
3: beer that. in my face, it's fucking go time, man. Like, I'm not asking questions. I right, yeah, about it yeah, after. Yeah. And as I said, I'm
4: not a tough guy, so I don't do shit like that. I don't want to fight somebody. I don't even want to win a fight. Just punching somebody in the head hurts. You usually end up breaking your hand. I mean, it's just like something I don't want to be involved in. But, like, if someone's going to, you know, do something like that in a perfect world, in a perfect world, you know, they at least take a liver shot, right? (laughs) Laying on the ground, you know? That's not bad. There's no brain damage. It's just the piercing Feeling of a uh, an, uh, a vital organ exploding. Other than that, I think it's I think it's all fair, Gabe.
3: Hey, ever ever since you've gotten your name now and became more popular, have you had a chance to meet any of those legends that you you like grew up idolizing, like like maybe Ray Bork or, or like who who was like the one guy you were like you fanboyed out on if you met him?
4: Oh, all of them, all of them. I mean, I've done Dennis Leary's uh, comics come home, and that's with Cam Neely, and I did that like three years into my career, and. Uh, I remember the first night I, I did it, I got to meet Cam Ely and I met Chris Nyland. They were both great guys. I couldn't believe, you know, I, I was talking to them. And I think a few years earlier, I actually had done a gig on Martha's Vineyard. And afterwards, I was up at the bar and I looked and Jay Miller was hanging out with uh, Chris Nyland, you know, just, you know, having a beer, just standing in it. And they, I was just like... You know, that whole tough guy thing where, you know, they, they beat the crap out of each other. Then afterwards, hey, let's go get a beer or whatever. So remember Lyndon Byers? I don't know if he's still at WAAF. I met him. Um, Rick Middleton. I'm, uh, yeah, I've met. Uh, I did. Uh, what's this show? Ah, um, oh, Jesus, I'm the worst. In the moment, I always forget people's names. Uh, any given Wednesday. Bill Simmons. Bill Simmons. I did his show with Wayne Gretzky. And he must was have uh, been
2: jerking off the whole time.
4: It was like he was so f- unbelievable that, like, I, you couldn't even get nervous. You were just sort of dumbstruck. But he was just, uh, he couldn't have been nicer. Uh, you know, I did a few things for Mario Lemieux a couple times. I did his charity, and, uh, I got to meet Paul Coffey. who's was, like, the biggest ball breaker ever, almost like a stand up comedian. Um, and he wants nothing more than you just to come over and make fun of him. Like, he's, he <laughs> like, all of those guys. They're really, like, guys, guys, like, uh, self-deprecating like i i've yet to meet any one of those guys back from that era that was uh full of themselves they're always just like yeah hey, you know you know it was my job i dropped the gloves you know i won some i lost some you know they're really like modest about uh you know what the, what what they did so yeah but that that's you know i i think any anybody meeting an athlete um that played when you were a kid is a big thing. Cause they're like bigger than life, you know, and you still have your whole life ahead of you. So you're looking at it in, in a certain way as opposed to, you know, you get older, you know, now, now if I meet a professional athlete, it's like, I'm old enough to be the kid's dad. And all I'm thinking in my head is how the guy's spending his money going. I hope this guy doesn't go broke as opposed <laughs> to when I was a kid, I'm like, Oh my God, this is a professional athlete. <laughs> this guy's a God, you know, I'm,
0: you know, I don't know. It's weird. You mentioned Rick Middleton a minute ago. Did you know they're retiring? number tomorrow night of the Garden, number sixteen finally?
4: Oh, they are? Uh, there was nothing better than him on a on a breakaway, man. He he had he had the best hands, man. He just was uh you know, he really was I think, uh was right after like when when Peter McNabb and him were on the same team before we got Neely from Vancouver, like that those guys were sort of the ones always scoring the goals and um McNabb was sort of like an Esposito type, sort of out in front. You couldn't just move him, you know, just a big guy. But uh, uh, Rick Middleton, he just, he had all, all the stick handling. He'd go around, make guys look stupid and shit. Just that stuff. Then you go out in the driveway, you know, before rollerblades, so you just were running around trying to pretend you were him with the bullshit you bought it out. Herman's Sporting Goods. Jesus Christ, you guys are taking me back here. Down at the f- South Shore Plaza. Pick up a couple of uh bill i want to
0: ask you when the bruins won it all in 2011 where were you for that game i can tell
4: exactly where i was because i I could have gotten tickets for it but i had to work um but it was a good job i was uh jim norton the great jim norton had put together this tour called the anti-social network and the tour was (laughs) norton dave attell jim brewer and myself And, um, I forget how the line, I think I went on second, I can't remember, but I just remember the show had started and I was, I had already watched the first period and I watched halfway through the second period. Then I went out and did my bullshit act and I got off stage and there was like six minutes left. And I was the only one who cared. I was in Chicago and you know, none of the guys I was working with, you know, were from Boston. So I was watching it by myself. And I remember being upstairs in the dressing room and with like four minutes left, I literally screamed like a little girl by myself. I was like, Oh my God, they're going to do it. <laughs> and then they won the fucking cup. And I remember there was this meet and greet and, and I, I was late. I was like a 15 minutes late for it. You know, I got shit for it online for not being down there, but I was up there by myself. And I, cause I just wanted to see every year, all these years of watching hockey at that point, let's see, 1980 to 2011, that's 90, 2000, 31 years of watching. And just every year, just seeing some guy taking the, the Stanley cup and lifting it up over his head. I was just thinking after a while, am I ever going to see somebody with the Bruins jersey? Um, and seeing Zidano and just the yell that he let out, like, ah, like just, it was awesome. It was so awesome. And I, I, I made sure my wife taped it so I could rewatch it. But uh, I mean, I can't imagine what I looked like when I came down to the crowd with the big stupid grin on my face. And at that point, it was like I, I could die as a sports fan because I had seen the Patriots, Red Sox, Celtics, and Bruins. I mean, I'd already seen the Celtics in the 80s win it. And now I'd, I'd seen a Stanley Cup, a World Series, and a Super Bowl, and I was just like, man, I'm, I'm, this is good. I, I can no longer bitch as a fan. And fortunately, we've continued to win, and I've also continued to bitch for some reason. Matt,
3: yeah, because we're, <laughs> we're from Boston. That's what we do. That's what we do. Hey, and Bill, uh, I don't know if you know Ra here, our co-host. Uh, he actually went to the game last minute, bought a flight to to Vancouver for his life savings. I think it was like a two thousand dollar flight. <laughs> went to the game, saw them win it, and ended up sneaking in as what, what, were you pretending to be a security guard or something. All right, tell the story. Actually, it was it was the Tampa Bay
0: uh, Stanley Cup party. I snuck into. I actually had a media credential for the Vancouver one, but they usually tell you you, you know no media is allowed in the room because they do all the interviews on the ice, but. They opened it up to the local media. So I walk in, Bill, and it's like fucking champagne flying everywhere. I felt like I was in a dream. I mean, I walk in, and my favorite team's passing the Stanley Cup around, to high-fiving me. Wait and- a
4: minute. With, with your accent, you got away with a local Vancouver media?
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> no, they hilarious. look hilarious. Low Boston media because the Bruins won the cup, so they let all the Boston oh, media. Oh, yeah, you were traveling. Yeah,
3: I'm just mode. shocked. I'm just shocked they gave him a fucking media credential, this guy.
0: What <laughs> was great, Bill, is there was a, a part where the whole team, it was real impromptu. Nobody videoed it. They all started singing, We Are the champions. Somebody played it on a boombox, and nobody recorded it. No one even, the only people who caught it were the ones who were in the room. And it's like, you get goosebumps fucking being in a room like that because I, I wasn't supposed to be yeah. there, but they were cool. They let me stay.
4: Yeah, those guys, uh, That's yeah, that's been my experience. I did another year I did comics come home. Uh, it was right after they had won the Stanley Cup. I think it was uh, probably uh, the beginning of next season. And um, Neely and Leary somehow got the, a lot of the guys from the team to, to come on the stage in the end and wave goodnight and thank everybody for raising money. Um, for the Cam Neely house, and uh, I was blown away once again. First of all, the shape that they're in is just ridiculous. There's, there's not one fat guy in the NHL. Back in the day, uh, the Tim fat Thomas guy was, was the a little chunky. Yeah, Thomas was chunky. I'll tell you, you know who? You know who blows my mind? Who just looks like he's playing in a beer league? Is Phil Kessel? There's something about his face. He's got the jowls, man. He's—I mean, I love that guy. He's a great player and everything, but he—he he definitely looks like. Uh, he has a few in the parking lot afterwards, you know, like <laughs> do a little pickup hockey action.
3: He He's so disgusting. People started getting tattoos of him in Pittsburgh after they won their cups there, their back-to-backs, like putting Phil Kessel on oh, yeah. their body.
4: Yeah, no, no, that's a great hockey town, man. Pittsburgh is, is an, I'll tell you, you know, traveling around, I've gone to most of the uh, – I think I've seen a home game of every team except for uh, Carolina, Vegas, and, uh, Ottawa, those are the only three ones. Every place else I've, I've just through doing stand up on the road, um, and booking it around a game, you know, I've been able to go. And, uh, that's, uh, Pittsburgh is a no joke, um, hockey town.
0: Yeah. yeah what, what, what's played
2: there for a few years. Yeah, I played there. I also, uh, you're not missing much in, in not seeing a Hurricanes game down in Raleigh. Uh, don't worry about that one. Although Vegas now, <laughs> Vegas is one that you probably definitely got to hit up. I actually tell people a lot. My favorite, my favorite place to play was Montreal. I don't know. I'm sure you've been there. That atmosphere is sick.
4: Yeah, I went up there. I saw a game at the, I guess it was the second Montreal Forum. I saw him in 1989 uh, against the Minnesota North Stars. When uh when Patrick Waugh still up there and uh that's when they had Guy Carbono and Chelios and uh Nylon was still on that team, I think. I believe he was. And uh yeah, that was unreal. Just going up there and remember they said that that blue along the boards up there, and that was just a house of horrors for uh for the Bruins for the longest friggin' time. I think by then we'd be, I think we went up there. We went like some ridiculous and like like I don't know, like 10 years never won a home or playoff game in the Montreal forum. Like they just fucking owned us. It was, and we, and that's wasn't when I was growing up and, and the young kids now can't relate to, it was like, not only did the the Boston teams not win other than the Celtics, it was like, we were also the Washington generals to the Yankees and to the, like to the, uh, the Montreal Canadians. And then the Patriots, I mean, there was, there's like high school football teams in Texas that have a better fucking stadium than we had. And it was like, I'll be honest with you. When I was at that game with the Patriots won their first Super Bowl, and I was, I couldn't, I, I was, I thought that I, I, I would never see them. I mean, I knew eventually, hopefully the Red Sox would win a world series, but I was just like the Patriots. It's like, we're barely, we're not even in the league. It was just like a joke. Like just going through the whole Michael Jackson debacle with the Sullivan's. Did you ever hear this whole story about why they had to sell it? The, the original yeah. the the Sullivans that own the Patriots. I yeah. didn't know that. Like I thought it was just because they booked him. Basically, I don't know what the perf- the correct term is, but whether he did a show or not, they had to pay him. And because he can't, because Foxborough didn't want him there, you know, most likely for racist reasons. You know, they didn't want him out there. They still had to pay him, and I thought that that's bankrupted him. But a local promoter told me what really happened was for some reason. Uh, Pat Sullivan, he booked the whole tour, right? He was going to be the uh, the promoter of it. And, you know, he's doing the numbers in his head, what Michael wants, what he's going to make at each venue, and it looked like he was going to make money. And then when they saw the layout for the tour, Michael's stage was so fucking big, it was eating up all of these seats. <laughs> and according to this game, I don't think this is true or not, Sullivan went back to him said, can you make this stage smaller? I'm going to lose my shirt. And he was, uh, my, uh, Michael Jackson was competing with Prince and he was worried that if he made his stage smaller, Prince was going to outdo him. So he kept this giant stage. So not only were the Sullivan's losing money every night because of the size of the fucking stage, they then canceled in Foxborough and then that was it. And then they ended up, ended up having to sell. Oh
3: wow! And then
4: we went to the, then we went to the fucking, uh, Norelco razor guy there. And oh, then they had the, Victor Kayyem. And then they had that awful thing with the female reporter and all of that Zeke Moat shit. And then we, I, it just, it was, it was terrible. And then Kraft comes in and then all of a sudden he's threatening to move it to Connecticut. And I was just thinking this is never going to work out. But um, fortunately they, um, they stayed. And um, you know, I was thinking of the other day, Bob Kraft, I mean, as far as owners goes, it's his co- head coaching hires. Bill Parcells, Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick. I mean the guy's gone three for three as far as like I think I think what's his face? Pete Carroll's
3: gonna end up
4: getting into some sort of sports hall of fame, maybe. I don't know. Maybe that USC shit hurts him a little bit. I don't know.
3: Well what, he the fact like he was he dating looked- a 20-year-old? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know 45. about that. that one. I thought I thought that was gonna get him in. What? <laughs>
4: well, he looks so goddamn wholesome man you know he really does he looks like he goes to church like,
3: he's he's um, like he's like that dad where like all the girls go over to the one dad's house and they're like i would go him and the other they don't and then they say it to the daughter and they're like shut up don't say that like that's my dad yeah <laughs> Oh, we're in the Dilf and then territory. One, then now. the
4: one from the single parent house actually does it. Yeah. That's how
0: it
3: goes. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then he Their divorces the mom, the and they have a relationship, and, and, and it's fucking weird. Now she has no more friends, but she has a six year old boyfriend. Yeah.
4: And then one day social media comes out, and the next thing you know, we know about it. <laughs> it's, a weird, it's a weird world we're
0: living in. Fucking sure is. But By the way, it was 1988 the Bruins ended that jinx after like 40 years of not beating the Canadians, Bill. But uh, I want to just kind of transition over to your comedy career and talk about that for a little bit. And basically, you know, when did you know that you wanted to be a comedian when you were a kid? Like, was did you watch Delirious and say, fuck, man, that's what I want to do? Or was there some other process? How did you, how did you wake up one day and say, this is what I want to do for a
4: living? No, none of it. As much as I loved stand-up and I bought all the records and would – you know, I would be doing my paper route, reciting the routines, pretending, fantasizing. I was in front of my, you know, my whole grade and everybody was laughing and all the pretty girls like me. It, it still didn't connect with me like, Hey Bill, maybe you want to be a comedian just because just show business was so far away. It was in LA and I didn't even know it was in New York, but she had to move to Hollywood and just, you know, I didn't even know that there was a local club scene. I didn't know anything about it. And It wasn't until I was like uh, 20 or 21, I was working in this warehouse, and there was this other guy I worked with, funny enough, another redhead, and every bit as funny as I was, uh, just a next level, like, funny guy I met. Like, I was like, wow, this guy is really funny. And he loved stand up the way I did and was funny. I used to go over to his house before, uh, his parents' house. He's still living at home we go into his room, and, you know, back in the day, you'd crush a six-pack, so you'd save a little bit of money going out to the club, <laughs> get a little buzz going. Still do that. Go yeah, Grinnell, Grinnell our or whatever. does
3: it every weekend. <laughs> <And> <laughs>
4: then he can't oh, yeah, you got to do it. You box. got <laughs> to have a couple in you, right? So we'd, we'd crush a six-pack or whatever and, uh, you know, drink them real fast to get a nice buzz, you know, try to drink it. And, like, know, and we would just watch stand-up spotlight in all these late 80s, early 90s standup shows and one night he's going, Bill, we're funnier than these people. And he goes, one of these nights I'm going to take a shot at Jack Daniels. I'm just going to get up on stage. And all of a sudden it wasn't on TV anymore. It was sitting next to me and I was thinking like, Oh shit. Well you can just do that. Like, I didn't know that. I didn't know you could just find an open mic somewhere. I thought, I literally thought I had to move to Hollywood to start. Um, like, I don't know what, I don't know why I thought that, but I did. So that's how I ended up, uh, Getting into it. It was speaking of that. I know a guy who did that. I know a guy who moved to Hollywood, all right, and started in LA, which is the hardest fucking thing you could ever do if you're ever going to try to start out as a comedian is to start in LA. And this guy did it. And he was this guy, he was down the hall from me. It was like 1998 or 99. There was this guy down the hall, was a Chicago guy. And he comes up, he goes, Hey, because uh, you're a comedian, right? And I was thrilled. Cause you know, this is like six, seven years of my career. Nobody, nobody knew who the hell it was. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And you know, so he starts asking me all these questions about how he wants to get into comedy and all this shit. Long story short, I moved back to New York five years later. I come out and I see him on stage at the comedy store. I'm like, holy shit, that fucking guy did it. Right. And then I ended up moving out in 2007 and this guy had got to the point where he was one of the guys. And uh, recently that, that fucking guy who was just down the hall from me, he just sold out Madison square garden four fucking times in the round. Sebastian uh, Maniscalco. I don't know oh, if you guys know him. He's but,
0: fucking but, hilarious. Oh, is
3: he the one who's very yeah.
0: flamboyant? He's like that the Italian the guy. Uh, Chicago yeah, Italian. Yeah,
3: Italian, yeah.
4: Italian guy. He he he's was great. Right down the right right. Now. <laughs> that was the dude living down the hall from me. I just recently uh he won Billboard's uh stand up comedian of the year and I got to present him the award. I got to tell that story and we were just laughing afterwards. Like it's one of the coolest stories I have that there was just this guy down the hall going, Hey, how do you, how do you start and stand up? And now he's like, you know, I mean, you sell it out four times in the round. It's like, that's when you can like sit down with like you two and be like, what's up, man.
3: <laughs> hey Bono. I did I the guess same they thing. Did stadium, you know? Yeah. <laughs> You're he must- taking his glasses off and like making fun of him. Yeah. I mean,
4: yeah. So, but anyway, so luckily I started in Boston
3: and, uh, there was all these just
4: incredible, incredible headliners that I got to open for. And I mean, the hours and hours and hours that I watched those guys and just learned and learned and learned and learned and learned. Um, Kevin Knox, Tony B, Frank Zanarelli, Don Ganovan, Steve Sweeney, um, on and on and on. Mike Donovan. I always forget a few guys each time. When I, t- I t- always try to say all their names because I learned so much from all Kenny Rogerson. um, yeah, just a whole bunch of those guys. And all of them just went up and in their own way just fucking leveled the room. And killing in Boston, I quickly learned, killing in Boston was killing. And I went other places, you know, when I first got down to New York and I worked some of these places in Jersey and the tri-state area. And some of the oh, man, that guy killed, he killed. I was, I was like, you had a good set. He wasn't. Like, when these guys in Boston, when they were killing, I mean – I guess because it was a 400 seat or two, but it just like when Kevin Knox was on stage, the whole time he was up there, it sounded like there was a jet landing. but so it was like hovering because it never quite landed and shut off its engines. Like it just, they just murdered and they just kind of showed you. Um, John Panette. I saw John Panette one night come into uh, Nick's comedy store, uh, Nick's comedy stop, comedy clubs now. He came in and did a 15 minute spot and got a standing ovation. Like, just, you know, I've seen people get standing ovations, but you got to kill for an hour. He fucking destroyed Seahead for 15 minutes. And the place was like half full. It was like 40 people standing up applauding this guy. And he's like, ah, sit down, sit down, whatever. It was like, it meant nothing to him. And I just remember seeing that like that. That is killing. And, uh, and then when big guys came to town, like Brian Regan was a guy, so fucking murder. You know, I don't know. I've seen a lot of greats.
2: So there's a, you know, in hockey, there's a million stories of a guy who, um, you know, gets found because a scout went to watch a guy on his team and sees him. And, you know, you get the one break in hockey to make it to the NHL at times. Was there anything you look back on like, holy shit, that was, that was the game changer? That, that was what really kind of helped my career take off?
4: Um, the way it worked out for me, it was a bunch of things this long timeline where this led to this, that led to this, that led to this, that led to this. It was all, you know, being lucky enough that my parents moved to Massachusetts. So I started in, in Massachusetts and I grew up with kids from, from Massachusetts who were just inherently funny, I think, helped me out, you know, and, um, and seeing those great headliners. I, I think the, the, the biggest thing that, that happened as far as like, me starting to get known and selling tickets was probably um, in 2005. I did a half hour for HBO and right before it came out, Jim Norton got an acting gig on Lucky Louie, Louis, Louis CK show on, on HBO. And so he, he couldn't do the Opie and Anthony show. So he mm-hmm. got to sit in. And I sat in for that show for two months and, Fortunately, their fan base liked what I did. And after two months, right as I had some roadgates coming out, my half hour on HBO came out. And um, that was the first time I actually sold out a club, you know, like a 200-seater or whatever. And I dealt with this new pressure. It used to be the pressure of uh, who the fuck's this guy make me laugh. Now I was dealing with the pressure of, like, expectation. Like, we yeah. came here specifically to see you because we think you're funny. And I remember, like, this fear going, like, I finally got him to show up. Now, if I have a bad set now, oh, like, how far is this going to set me back? Uh, I'll have to have, you know, wait until HBO gives me another half an hour. and God knows how many years. So, um, you know, but that's how this business works. It kind of weeds out. It weeds out the weak. So you just have to, even if you're not strong, which I wasn't, you have to figure out how to pretend to be strong and fake your way through it, which I did. And it was an adjustment period. It was a good three, four months before I started to, I got used to this different sound when I went to stage, which was anticipation before then it was like, Hey, you know, whatever. And I had to deal with these people. Then these people are going to fucking hate me. They don't know who they are. And once I got used to the new sound, I was able to kind of relax into it, and uh, fortunately, go on a nice little run here.
3: So, did your were your nerves always there? But then they just escalated, or were you just not really even nervous before? Where when you kind of scaled up, your that's all of a sudden like the anxiety before you went on. You're like, oh shit.
4: No, it all it's all nerves until you're out there. Then once I was out there, I was fine because no matter what was happening, I could deal with it. If I was bombing, I mean I bombed before. If I was killing, great. And I, but it was just. The not knowing, and it's just like for the love of God, let's rip the bandaid off. Just yeah. say my fucking name so I can go up there. It's it, that's what it was. It was the uh, the um, the waiting, and then you know before I was known, it was the the nerves. Where you know you get a drunk, aggressive crowd, and you you know you get good at it after a while. Like all comics, once they down on the road long enough. They know who's going to be the fucking problem as they're walking in. You can be in the green room and just hear somebody's laugh or something. Be like, all right, that person, you know, by the time I get up in a half hour, they're going to be three more drinks in, you know. And then once you build a relationship with the club, you can actually call someone and just do me a favor. Just watch that fucking guy because I'm not I'm not in the mood for it tonight, you know. And, you know, you get, you get a little – You know, you got a little Tom Brady. You talk to the
3: referee, and you get the fucking call, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you just come out swinging at them, and they're like, whoa, what the fuck? I didn't even say anything.
4: (laughs) No, I know know you were going to say something. No, and I've made that mistake. i made a mistake. I I did a thing for a long time. I thought anybody talking in the crowd was saying that I stunk, and half the time they'd just be ordering food or saying, (laughs) oh, my God, that happened to me, and then I fucking – cut their head off with the sickle and i remember afterwards this is back when i was selling cds at the end of my show you know and all these women and shit would come up to me like i was just trying to get some chicken fingers you're a fucking asshole and yeah and i would feel like an idiot and um jim norton was the guy i learned i saw him McC- i still remember the set i saw him Caroline, and he said oh he just said what'd you say oh okay okay and he just you know he addressed it and I was just—I remember thinking, like, "Oh, you can just do that." I thought if anybody talks, you got to tell them to go fuck themselves. Like it was really, a, you know, a, sort of just the the part of the world I grew up in, where it was just everybody was always busting balls, and if anybody was laughing at you, it wasn't good natured. Like they were really—it was, you know, as funny as Boston is, there's uh, or Massachusetts, there there was a meanness to that game. Um. At least with white people, there was. Like, white people play that, that giving each other shit. It gets real quick. They bring up dead relatives and stuff. <laughs> um, and I didn't realize that until I met the late, great Patrice, where, you know, he, he'd make fun of my fucking sneakers, and I would just go right for juggling and be like, God damn, Bill. It's like, you don't, even, you don't even try to have fun. This is just supposed <laughs> to be fun. So Kill I had shot. to learn. I was just like, yeah, and I had to be like, well, look, that's how, yeah, that's how the game was played. In my house, my own, my own, my own dad played the game that way. He just went right for it. There was a weakness, you went at it, but there was no love behind it. It was yeah. just like now grabbing you by the back of the neck and you're rubbing your nose in it.
3: So yeah, you're like, at least my wife's not know. get fucked by the mailman. He's
1: like, what?
3: <laughs> oh yeah, all he did was say your sweater was a little tight. <laughs>
1: And Bill, uh, actually, before we ask another question, I just wanted to remind our listeners that this interview is also brought to you by twenty three and me and now through december twenty fifth the twenty three and me DNA kits are on sale twenty three and me helps you understand what your DNA can tell you about you and your family story it 's named for the twenty three pairs of chromosomes that make up your DNA a at twenty three a twenty three A 23andMe DNA kit is the perfect gift for everyone you love. There's never been a better way to give the gift of genetic discovery to your parents, your siblings, your aunts, your grandparents, and to everyone else on your list. It's the one gift you can buy the entire family that will be unique for each loved one. 23andMe health plus ancestry service include 90 plus personalized genetic reports that offer DNA insights on what makes you unique. And it's easy to do. You simply spit in the tube provided in your 23andMe kit, register your sample to your personal 23andMe account, and in a few weeks you receive your personal, personalized online reports. Now through December 25th, you get 30% off any 23andMe kit. Order your DNA kit at 23andMe.com/chicklets. That's the number two three A N D M E. Dot com slash chicklets again 23andme.com slash chicklets. Bill, did you ever play the great ding ho club in Cambridge, which is basically like the for
0: those who aren't familiar with it, it's kind of like the Sun Records studio to rock and roll. That's kind of what the, the ding ho was to 80s comedy to the 80s uh, American comedy scene. Were you ever lucky that, enough to that's play a that? Great,
4: that's a great comparison. Uh, Thank you. no, I wasn't. That was long gone. Uh, by the time I got there, that was all you know, um. DJ Hazard was another guy. All those guys played there. Um, there's a lot of great stories, you know, Stephen Wright and that that Lenny Clark and those guys. Barry uh, Cremins, too. He just, the, just passed away. Barry, Barry Cremins, yeah, rest his soul. Uh, all of those guys, they they would, um, you know, the Tonight Show would would go to this fucking Chinese restaurant to watch these guys. It depicts them. It's of his crazy. It was crazy, but they... It was like uh I feel like Leno took the beach where he was doing stand up in Boston when there was no clubs and he used to be down the combat zone go, excuse me combat zone just going on in front of uh you know in front of strippers and shit um and then there was a gap it, it seems like like he moved to New York or LA and I don't quite know where he went after that and then uh Lenny and all those guys came and um I always wondered what, what got them, like how it started. I'm sure they told me the story, but we're always, you know, I don't know, they, hanging out after one of those comics come home. So I always forget the story.
0: They say if you stand in front of the ding hole on a crystal clear day, you can actually still smell the cocaine from inside.
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to have no comment on that. I wasn't there. I heard that those guys. All right, it was. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, they did a lot of reading when they were there, and they uh, they helped a lot of people out. They did a lot of good. They
1: certainly well, did.
2: Well, our uh, our podcast, I think we towed the line a little bit, you know, the, the whole PC culture. Now I think we were able to slide by a little stuff just cause it's hockey. And you know, some people don't get mad, but I feel like you and comedians in general now have to deal with this new culture. And, and I know you're yourself, you know, like you're saying, you, you cut to the core, you'll go below the belt, things like that. Is it harder now for you? Or do you not even really give a shit what people think? And if they're going to be mad at one of your jokes, so be it. It's
4: my joke. Yeah, no, it's, it's, that's just more of a media story. It's just, it's, it's yeah. way exaggerated as far as like the amount of people that are actually that get offended versus the ones that don't. The amount of people that aren't mature enough to go to a comedy show and just, you know, understand that they're listening to jokes. You know what I mean, like my favorite people, the people, you know, 20 subjects goes by and it's all it's all good then all of a sudden it comes onto your front lawn and all of a sudden you're not telling jokes anymore. You're making statements and then they start telling you what you mean by your joke. And you're literally being like, that's not, that wasn't the point of the joke. And they're arguing like, it's like, so you know what my brain is telling me more than I do. I mean, I'm the (laughs) one hearing it. You realize what you're saying is like fucking insane right now, but it's just, it's just, it's just how, you know, but this is a, it, it's, it's a combination of social media and the fact that there's 30 million things to look at and, 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 and take in all at once as far as content that people have to, um, they have to make a noise in order to uh, get people to stop and people getting in trouble is a great way to get hit. So that's why if 2000 people go to a show and you get a standing ovation, except one person, one person got triggered like that becomes the story and it's like that isn't the story that is a story, but that is not an accurate depiction of what happened but then they'll turn around and they'll write a headline and just be like um you know uh, uh you know two people you know whatever blah 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 after his his um what are the words they the, the phrases they use they use like his face and um insidious remarks or uh incendiary something about fire i don't know what incendiary
0: the fuck incendiary
4: yes yeah comments and blah 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 and then they'll just say you know is so and so into hitler you know they'll do- <laughs> so then so then they're not liable they haven't said that you are they just they just presented the question and then every mouth breathing more on me oh this guy likes hitler that's how they read it oh, and yeah, then they meanwhile read the they're reading all of this they're, meeting, they're reading this complete distortion of the, e- of the evening, and they never mention that, the, that you got a standing ovation. Everybody had a good fucking time except for two people. And meanwhile, as you're scrolling, reading the shit, there's all these, these ads uh, on, on like the side. Like, the, the amount of money that's been made off of sexual assault and all this horrible shit that's going on out there uh, via clickbait and all these people who are pretending that they care about victims first, and they don't. They care about their money. If you just look at the way that they, they they present it, it's like they're not offering anything new. They don't have a decent take on it or anything. They just have a, a crazy headline, and then you just have as, as many fucking ads as they can possibly jam in there. And I love that they never get called out on it. They'll sit there and call comics out on telling jokes, but, you know, nobody talks about them you know, what, what they're doing. So, but I, I think all of them, you know, there's a lot of paper tigers out there, and all you do is when they come at you, the worst thing you can do is apologize. What you do is you just go right back at them. It's just what I fucking love about you guys when that guy did that, trying to do the takedown uh, piece on Dave, and you, and, you know, and he's trying to be all fucking PC, and then, then he actually sticks his fucking foot in his mouth and assumes yep. because you have a female CEO that she's just there as, as you know, you know to check off a box and she comes back like no asshole since i've been here i've grown this company by 30 40 percent and then him tucks his balls behind his legs and doesn't even fucking respond Mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's like that's the type of
3: bullshit you're taking that side of it and then you're being a hypocrite by basically saying we hired a woman just to check the box and she's actually scaled it up so like who who's actually the fucking sexist person here Exactly. He ended up making himself look sexist because he assumed
4: that that's what you guys did, and then once he realized that that was what, what was going on, he doesn't even respond. I mean, that's, that, 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 that's if you're going to fucking do that, if you're just going to dedicate you know, that amount of, of of words to take one guy down that you never met before, okay, and then if you get something wrong, you know, when they come back at you, and you you should. You know, if you were a man you would have responded. That guy just disappears into the ether. Yeah. So that's a lot of part. what's going on out there that's and you know, I found when people when you go out, you know, as long as you you didn't do it, look, if you did something wrong, you apologize. But if you didn't and someone's just being one of these, you know, douchebags. I don't know what they're, they're either they're so in, into whatever like cause that they're into that they can't see you for who you are or even listen to you. Or if they're just doing some clickbait shit. I mean, if you go at them, like they, they implode.
3: Bill, I watched that part. Uh, I watched that, uh, Fox five thing, uh, interview you did. That's one of your top clicks on, uh, on YouTube. And uh, about when you were talking about your cartoon and stuff like that, you could tell you just ha- you, you were in no room for bullshit that day. And she tried to make a comment about how people were upset about you uh, taking a stab at the uh, Christianity. And then you kind of just went on a rant and, and put her right into a corner. And it was fucking amazing.
4: And I was having fun. No, it wasn't Christianity. It was the Catholic Church. Because I think you went a little too hard in the Catholic. Don't you think you went a little too far with the Catholic Church? I don't even remember saying this. people just sent it to me i said well don't you think the catholic church went a little too far (laughs) i mean then that's you know (laughs) and to her credit she kind of she didn't say anything after that she was a nice person so that's one thing i don't like about the internet it immediately becomes like this person's cool this person's a douche it's just like you know it was her religion probably so she you know She's a little bit of a Penn State fan, you know. <laughs> they want to, they want to dial it down a little bit. Go, you know? Pop. Understandable. Yeah. yeah. Come on, put the statue back up. Come on. <laughs> they were just raping kids. Come on. <laughs> Look at all the games he won. <laughs>
0: Bill, the, the political correct stuff, it, it feels cyclical at this point. I remember this; they complained about this like 25, 30 years ago, this for kind of first wave of it. And then it feels like, like you said, people just kind of comedians are going to do what they want. Move, filmmakers are going to make the movies they want. And then it kind of quiets down. And it just feels like people are, are complaining again. But, you know, as a straight white guy from Boston in 2018, you kind of have to walk this sort of comedy tightrope, you know, and you haven't ended up like one of the I don't. You, I but
1: don't.
0: You, you don't, though, Let right? Let me ask you this. Yeah.
4: I, I don't. I don't because most people are are adults male female black white age and they're adults they're going to a comedy club and they know that there's going to be a lot of crazy shit said because that's what it is and you laugh because the shit being said is crazy you don't take it seriously all right so I'm not going to adjust the same way if I'm going to write a script I'm not going to dumb it down because there's dumb people out there. You know, like I got to compensate because there's mouth-breathing morons out there. I I don't need them to see this. And if I make less money, fine. Stand-up commies, the same thing. Like, I'm not going to dial down what it is I'm doing because there's people out there that are so wrapped up selfishly in their own bullshit. that My favorite fucking thing is the people that get offended by something that was said at a show that they weren't at. <laughs> That's my favorite thing. It's like, you have what no you one watching? to blame yeah, other than yourself for clicking on it. You clicked on it, you dumb fuck. You saw what the title was. <laughs> it's like you wanted to get pissed off. And if you have anybody to blame, it's the asshole who filmed it and posted it. The comic didn't do it. The comic's doing his job. He's at the fucking club. Doing his fucking job, saying crazy shit, trying to make people laugh.
3: Bill, what do you what do you think so, of SNL now? Is it fucking junk or what?
4: Uh, no, I don't think it's junk. I mean, it's, um, there's all kinds. There's always talented people on there, and they always go. Everybody always thinks that it's a wrap and that it's over, and then then all of a sudden, the new cast finds their characters, and then you know, then it gets, then everybody loves them, and then they all move on to movies. It's like I'm so old. I've seen people say. I've been hearing people say that show was over every five years since 1980. So uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say that it's going to be fine.
3: <laughs> Fuck! I was hoping you were just going to trash it. <laughs> can, can you just re? Can you, can we redo it when you and you just lay into it? <laughs> I
4: think you. Uh, what happened? Did you audition and they didn't cast you? You seem like you have a real <laughs> personal vendetta here. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, just, I, I feel like they've caved into the PC culture and, and, and it's bullshit. And uh, I hope you're going to lay into them. I
4: understand I what you're saying. What I we were going to do
3: is we were going to take this piece of it and, and put it online just to get clicks.
4: Uh, well, I mean, they are. They're also it's trench warfare out there right now. You know, there's, there's all these streaming services. I mean, Netflix has knocked everybody on their ass. And people, they got to do what they got to do. I don't know. I, I they, That shit is all. Bigger than me, but I, I understand what you're saying. If you've been watching SNL for a long time, it's it, but it's it's gone through. It's like I think with the first class that they had, it seems like these people don't even vote. And then in the 80s, there was a while where it got a little more conservative with Dennis Miller and those guys. And uh, then it was kind of fun in the 90s. And I think now, you know, it's definitely leaning left. But I just, you know, I, I just think that's just part of. I don't know. It's just part of, uh, the ebb and flow of it. You know, comedy changes like music or anything like that. So like I said, you know, I'm also a 50 year old guy who the fuck am I to tell anybody in their twenties what they should be joking about. So (laughs) God bless them. Continued success. So, uh,
2: what is, what is up next for you? I know you got some big plans and if, if you're not too busy, do you ever catch any live games, any NHL games? You're just too busy now.
4: Um no 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 I went to the Kings versus the Flyers always try to get a Kings game in um I don't know when the Bruins are coming through but I I mean hate Boston teams I hate seeing Boston teams when I'm out here you know because they yeah. always end up losing because they come out here and I feel like they just go partying <laughs> in Hollywood what do you mean you think so That's like what, exactly like the what award, they do. The worst is is if they're playing the Ducks and then they got the Kings the next night. It's just like you know, bet the Kings, man. I'm telling you, because and I think the coaches they try to keep them in Anaheim, they try to keep them out of Hollywood, but uh, you know,
1: it ain't happening.
4: You're in your 20s, you're playing pro hockey, you got eight pack abs. You're not going to go down to the Sunset Strip, I mean, come on, you're going down there. Of course you are.
3: Did you? Uh, um, did you? Uh... you
4: felt it are the same way. The amount of times I've gone to a fucking seen the Celtics lose to the Clippers during the Paul Pierce years, Antoine Walker. dude, We would be crushing people, and then we'd come in there, and we'd, we'd score like fucking 80 points. The place would be going nuts, and there'd be Lakers fans all excited because I, I couldn't afford the Celtics-Lakers tickets uh, back, back in the then. day. So uh, <laughs> Yeah, back then. But even now, I wouldn't go because I, I, hate, I hate L.A. fans.
0: Bill, I wanted to bring up one aspect of your career, which I'm personally a big fan of. Um, you know, you are a, a part of one of the greatest TV dramas of all time, Breaking Bad, uh, huge fan of the show. I think everybody who's watched is a fan of the show. Um, how did you, did you have to finagle an audition for that? Did your agent get it for you? Or did, did you, How did you fall into that? Because the show is, you know, pretty popular. And when you were on it, did you know it was going to be one of the all time greats?
4: Um, I, I got it by, by, I was a fan of the show from the beginning. I, I just finished the wire and that show came out and I saw the billboard breaking bad. I wasn't even familiar with, with the expression. And, um, I started watching it in three episodes in, I just think I was part of the first wave of people trying to get a guest star on the show. And I was able to somehow get into, uh, Philip Grenz was my agent at William Morris at the time, and he got a tape over to them. And fortunately, uh, you know, in the writer's room, you know, your brain is about to explode, and every once in a while you got to take a break. Forget about, you know, what happens on episodes for family. Forget about when you're doing something at the level of Breaking Bad. So they used to watch comedy clips, and I guess they knew who I was. So they were like, hey, you know, he can act. We'll, like, we'll stick a pin in him, meaning you know, you're on the board, and if something comes up, you know, we'll uh, we'll give you a shout. So something came up uh, in season four, and uh, so I went down. I did it. It was it was surreal. It was my favorite show on TV, and all of a sudden I was on it. I felt like I got sucked into my TV. It's the story I always tell. And um, as we were shooting, it was when it blew up because they had done three seasons on AMC, and they were expensive, and they were weren't getting the they were critics darling, but they hadn't found the audience yet and amc put it on netflix where it was streaming and then that's when it blew up so i did the episode for season four and there was still this awesome show that i liked and i was telling people to watch and after i right after i uh, taped it um season one two and three got on netflix and blew up something like that because i know when i went there i was like psyched and i knew it was an awesome show and people that were into it really loved it but between the time I recorded, it was that car wash scene, it was the first one I did, and um, it like over the summer or whatever. But by the time season four came out, like I, I felt like their their audience like quadrupled, and everybody oh, yeah. was caught up and couldn't wait. And all of a sudden, like people in my family were watching it, and I was and I was like, yeah, I did an episode of that. They're like, no way, and like you know, I was all excited that you know to see my. My name in the beginning with like the from the uh, what is what is it? The credits. I, I such a bad sign. Yeah, but you no, know, but that's credits. The uh, the in chemistry. What do you call it? The, the fucking oh, the, the, oh, the, the, the the periodic the table. We're, we're, periodic table. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Oh shit, so Bill! You, go to, you
3: even go to high school? <laughs> Fuck! You um, might have CT. No, I did. Hey, Bill, um, because
4: dude, high school was like. Friggin' 30 years ago, dude. And, if, you know, I don't know about you. Has the periodic table come up much in your life? <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what I
0: mean? You know, it, it seems like people can't leave art alone, you know, for art's sake, and people don't like any they sort of. can't and...
4: leave art alone, kid.
0: <laughs> there we go. Took art. 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 can't people... leave art alone. People don't like sort of any ambiguity in their TV or, or movies. But, you know, even so, I'm going to ask the question. Now, we all know Huell's still twiddling his thumbs in that room. But what's Kubi up to? Did he end up in a barrel because of the Nazis? Or is he living the high life off all that money somewhere? Where's Kubi right now? What's he doing?
4: Um, You know what? You'd have to ask Spence and all those guys. But if I had to guess, I think that uh, – I think because he only seemed to be bro- – like. Like Huel was was Saul's right hand man as far as like security, and it seemed if there was a bigger job where you needed two people, they'd bring me in. So I was kind of a freelance guy. So I was if Huel's still alive, then I think I'm still alive. But who knows? He's a bigger guy than I.
0: Am. We we gonna see you on Better Call Saul.
4: I hope so. Me too. I hope so. But either way, I'm gonna keep watching, man. I I love what those guys do, and um. You know, I, it's one of the, you know, I I've been very lucky in my career where my IMDB page is a quick read, but I've gotten to like parrot troop into some um, really cool stuff from Chappelle show to uh, breaking bad. Uh, I got to do a movie with Mike Binder and, and um, Kevin Costner called black or white. And uh, I got a movie out right now um, with Hugh Jackman called the front runner. And uh, it's, it's a, it's the a Gary, it's a Gary hat story. It's a great, it's a great film to promote in Boston. The front runner starring Hugh Jackman is Gary hat. If you like high hat. Yeah, he had a mistress, kid.
0: The monkey business. Um,
4: yeah. So that was a fun one. It's funny. I play a, uh, a guy that works for the Miami Herald. And with my Boston accent, you know, so (laughs) I I come from that school of acting. You know, I am as far away from Daniel Day-Lewis as there is.
2: Well, uh, dude, we can't thank you enough. This is a thrill for us and um, huge to have you on. I love talking to an old school hockey fan. Also for everyone, uh, F is for Family, your show from Netflix. That's coming back for its third season. Is that very soon now?
4: Yeah. And that will be streaming. I don't know when this comes out, but uh, November 29th. Which is tomorrow in my world. Boom. Um, you can get it you can get it on Netflix. You can watch all of season three and then hopefully if enough people watch it, we'll get to do season four. Um uh, we've right. been talking though, at some point in season four, I'm like, we gotta go we gotta have them go to a hockey game, man. It's a game in the seventies. We gotta you know, it takes place in the mid seventies. That means the Flyers would have been the Broad Street bullies back then. The Bruins Rangers was the big rivalry with Bobby Orr and Brad Park and all of that shit. Yeah, it could be fun. We'll see.
0: If you need a hand, let me know. I'm, I'm available. <laughs>
4: okay. <laughs> hey, thanks hey, you a guys lot with your accent. I mean, that could be fun to have you in the crowd yelling some shit out. I don't know. Uh, we oh, shall yeah. see, but thank you guys so much for having me. And thanks for helping me promote efforts for family. No, thank this you. is
2: great for us. Appreciate it very much. Thank you.
4: All right, guys go Bruins. I'll see you. All right. Peace. See you, Bill.
3: That interview was also brought to you by Eagle energy. Like I mentioned last week, Eagle Energy partnered up with 21 Savage to release their limited edition Savage Energy Caffeine Inhaler pens. It's an odd collaboration, but what the hell? Uh, Nicotine-free, no sugar or calories. Eagle Energy, uh, they're the caffeine inhaler sticks. Uh, Of course, we mentioned the guarana, the ginseng, and the taurine, all the natural products it has in it way better than coffee. You don't get that, that uh, rotten gut after. You're not going to shit your brains out. Eagle Energy, caffeine inhalers, they're unbelievable. I do them all the time. Uh, great coffee supplementation instead of the coffee. They're nicotine-free. Eagle Energy, go get them. Biz 21.
0: Huge thanks once again to Bill Burr, man. That was quite a thrill of my, I guess, career. I guess we can call our interview and career here. Boys, uh, what you think of his, uh, Bill Burr's interview?
2: I thought it was fantastic. Like you know, we we couldn't thank him enough and he's probably just gonna go crush it in Europe. So he's just such a funny dude. No matter like he can be talking about anything and he's gonna make you laugh. So uh we appreciate it.
3: Not gonna lie, right before he came on, I, I was thinking, A, it's just a little sensitive getting the guy who talked about cranking himself out in front of ladies, but that was a different uh, redheaded uh Yeah. I redheaded red headed comedian. Yeah. I was like, Oh, who I was like, boys, he? I don't think I don't think this is good PR. Louis <laughs> CK is the one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so good thing I did a quick Google search. I would have been asked about him tugging himself in front of a woman <laughs> yeah, without asking yeah. them. Good uh, move, yeah. Guys, if if I had one complaint, I wish we could have just just talked about the Boston Bruins for an hour and a half. <laughs> just to piss off the people who have already commented, oh, Boston Myers. Yes. Yeah. It's I don't a, get it's it. It's a Boston podcast. There's three or four people from Boston, and if I could, if I could go back in time and be born in Boston, just to piss more of you off, commenting, <laughs> I would. I'd take a fucking time machine.
2: I don't think back. we'd be where we're at if speaking this was of, all four of us from speaking Boston. Speaking
0: of Boston biz, I I think you got because uh, I have been at three Stanley Cup celebrations. I think you got the stories conflated there. Uh, the Boston one, I, I actually didn't crash that one. I did have a, cr- a press pass. I was allowed to be there. Uh, of course, we know the Detroit story, you know, this, the, the, the the night Whitney lost and I was in the locker room. But the Tampa story was a pretty crazy one, Biz, okay? I had already been to Florida a week before. I went to Game 2 for a little vacation, come home, back to Boston. I got up. A- I get up. What
3: are you laughing at? You vacation in Florida? I'm shocked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so went to game. Daytona two. Beach only. Oh, my God. No, you was, are that. fucking the
0: epitome of Florida. Sarasota, man. I'm Sarasota is nice. That's a good. That's you a, you a, you're a walking Florida vacation. Florida vacation. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. That's story. all right. So game seven was a Monday morning. I get up regular day. I, seven o'clock in the morning, went to work. My job, crumb bum job. I'm sitting there about noon. My buddy calls me. He said, hey, he goes. I got a ticket for the game tonight. Now, it's game seven. Somebody has to win. It's fucking noon. I'm in Boston. Though. I was like, dude, wh- why-, why couldn't you call me early? He goes, dude, if you can get down here, I get a ticket for you. So I was like, fuck it. So I pretended sick. I walked into my supervisor's office all hunched over. She's like, oh, you don't look so good. I was like, oh, meanwhile, I'm healthy as a horse. I goes, yeah, I, I should go home. So I called Logan Airport. I booked the flight. Tampa called my father He goes dad make me a bag in the back room with some clothes come pick me up he's like you're right he probably thought I was like on the run or something I was like just come pick me up I need a ride to Logan so I get in you know get to the airport I'm in line to get on the plane my buddy calls me he's like dude I didn't hear back from you I had to go to a doctor's appointment he goes that ticket's gone I was like fuck it man I'm getting on the plane I'll see you when I get there and I'll deal with deal with it when I get there so I had a thousand dollars with me I'm like I'll pay up to a thousand dollars to get in the game because it's a game seven someone's gonna win and I ended up getting a ticket for 500 bucks Watched the whole game, watched the cup come out after. I was fucking smothered. I actually left the arena biz, went to the bar across the street with my buddy, but he had to leave. So he's like, dude, I got, I got the kids tomorrow. I can't stay out and party left. Dude, this buddy of yours sucks. First,
2: yeah, he gave fuck, away the ticket, yeah.
3: and then after the cups won, he yeah. left. Like, well, back then, doing? I don't think there were cell phones. It was like carrier. Yeah, equipment. it was exactly. It was, contact them. It wasn't as easy to get yeah, in there. Yeah, there wasn't actually
2: people. texting and shit then,
0: was there? There was still MapQuest. So uh, meanwhile, I have a mutual friend, a friend who's played with Marty St. Louis at UVM. We have a mutual friend. So I'm calling him, trying to get him, because I know he's inside the building. Well, when I die and go to heaven or wherever I go, if there's one memory I want to be replayed that I was blacked out for, it's this night in Tampa, because I don't know how I bullshit my way back into the building, into the party where the fucking Stanley Cup was. I snuck back in there. I ended up meeting up with my buddy Phil and Marty St. Louis and Richards, and like an hour later, I'm sitting there with the cup. But I didn't have a camera. I had no evidence. People were like, yeah, bullshit. So anyways, fast forward two weeks later, I get that picture in the email, of the one with Marty St. Louis with the fresh cuts from the Game 7 and me off to the side screaming. That's the only, like, evidence I have from being at the, that party that night. So that's what happened that night, Biz. I woke up in Boston, 8 o'clock, went to work, and ended up fucking in Tampa Bay. So then at like 4 in the morning, they finally booed everyone out, and I'm smothered, and I got to go to the airport for my I- fight's not till eight. One of, those, hold up, one of those news trucks is there. I'm just so drunk. I just want to like, pass out for now. I open the door. Some guy's like, he's still in the truck. He's still in the truck. And the cops fucking r- rip up. It's like four o'clock in the morning. I'm blasted. I'm like, what? What? They're like, buddy, what are you doing? I'm like, I just need somewhere to rest my head. The cops are like, listen, we'll get you a cab to the airport. But if we see you here again, we're lugging you. Fuck, I went back so to the airport. You, you didn't have a hotel room. No. No, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't even have a hotel room. A, no.
3: You, you, I told you that. He's a walking Florida vacation. Okay. I have, I have a, a theory as to why you're able to get in the back of these things.
2: It's I have a you, theory, you too. you the say the
3: same thing. You look them in the eyes. You say, I'm the janitor. And you say it so naturally because you're not fucking actually lying. And they're like, <laughs> oh, who the fuck would lie about that one? And well, two also
0: smothered. Yeah, I was that. I was messy. I don't I, I don't know how I, I don't know if I like physically hid or snuck behind or told lies. I I, I, I don't know. I have no my fucking
2: theory voice. is that you started talking to him and then you were talking to him so much. And so often, so <laughs> many stories. He was just like, dude, go ahead.
0: Get away. Take from the cup. Take He's the like, don't
2: even go. let the dog sniff him. Just take fucking the, let him take go.
0: The
3: <laughs> too. Just get the fuck away.
2: From <laughs> me. Yeah, like The dog's going to pass out if he, <laughs> <laughs> if he sniffs him. Just let him go.
3: Go ahead. Go ahead. Rear Admiral. So that's yeah. cool that you end up getting a picture of it
0: yeah, so yeah, like i said i didn't that was back before every cell phone had a camera, so i didn't you know i didn't think to buy with I'm, I would have never thought I 'd be poting with the cup, so yeah, of the four times I partied with the cup that was uh that was probably one of the most the most fun times just because it was so I'd never heard up. that
3: story, and that's by far your best one regarding sneaking in to see a cup, yeah. so fucking rights buddy well um, uh,
2: speaking of speaking of the stanley Cup boys um. Last night, or I oh, shouldn't say last night. It was on Wednesday or Thursday Tuesday, Tuesday night. Tuesday. There was a rem- oh, one of them. Sense. There was a rematch of the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, one of the days it ends in Y. Mm-hmm. There was a rematch of the Stanley Cup Finals. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Vegas Golden Knights played the Capitals, and this one was in Vegas. Vegas, a nice little five three win. I had them. Thanks for coming. And in that game, Ryan Reeves, the alpha male of the NHL, one of our best interviews, one of our highest downloaded interviews ever. He ran over Tom Wilson, and Wilson left the game injured. You do not like to see that. His helmet popped off on the hit. His head hit the ice. Not, not good. Hopefully, he's okay. But Ryan Reeves got kicked out of the game, got a match penalty. Uh, that's bullshit. That should have been a two-minute penalty for interference. That was a little bit of a late hit. And it was a guy who was watching his pass, and it was Reeves, who was an absolute monster, went shoulder to shoulder. And people say karma's a bitch. People say it comes back to get you. But that was Tom Wilson taking an enormous hit. Many times he's been the, he's been the uh, giver of those hits. And I don't know if you guys agree with my assessment of it not being deserving, certainly of a suspension, which it isn't. But I didn't even think he should have been kicked out of the game. And shout out quickly to Reeves before you go, Biz. Shout out quickly to his quote of that um, – tom wilson he just ran into a lion in the jungle <laughs> like that if that is if i could I, I won't ever be able to say something that manly and that tough until like Ryder like knows what's going on and i can like scare him that's the only time i'll be able to say i'm the lion in the jungle so to be able to say that in the nhl you know reeves is a badass mother
3: okay first of all it sucks because i like them both and they're both uh you know guests of the show and and I, I truly believe if they played in the same team or met each other in person that they would like each other because they're both great guys. Um, regarding Reeves, he's been having some pretty good interviews lately. He's yeah, a he walking soundbite. That one with Scott Oak he had was classic. Uh, Scott Oak's kid and, and Reeves are buddies. I mean, I, I, you guys might have known that and the history behind that. His, uh, Scott yeah, Oak's kid. A a, he's a magician. He's unbelievable. He's like world-class. Um Asian. But yeah, that's, a, that's an all-time quote, especially in today's NHL where a lot of these kids are – could you imagine half these kids in the NHL have like, – not, not, not like chirp them, but they're softer, where you have Ryan Reeves who would have been a, a scary man back in the day. Yeah. Like Reeves is probably top three guys I ever fought. and, yeah, and, he, and he, he's a monster. He's just if a you've monster, seen this yeah. guy with his shirt off, we did the bench press test in St. Louis. Do you remember that? Well, hang out with him for three minutes.
2: You'll see him with his shirt off. Dude walks oh, yeah, everywhere yeah. with no tarp on. <laughs>
3: <laughs> off the boys. He's got those those rubber bands. He's always, like, dialed in where his veins are <laughs> yeah, popping yeah, out. Exactly. Yeah. He's got no, a prison Re- workout. Re- Rebo just, like, crushes push-ups before he goes out, and his yeah. biceps are just ripping all night. Hey, yeah. Co- hey, Coach wants to see a rips-off 100 push-ups. What's up, Hitch? You wanted to talk to me? Oh, no, I'm good. <laughs> uh, uh, but, okay, so I will say that, that that was a hockey hit. He saw him coming as soon as he let go of the puck, and he had to make that decision in a split second. I'd imagine because of who he knew he was on the ice against and who it was that he wasn't going to make that split-second decision to not hit him based on not only last year's cup final and the history, based on – I would put Tom Wilson as public, public enemy number one right now in the NHL, like far and above the, a number two guy. Yes, I agree. Like is that? I mean, Marshawn so maybe what he might be closer. one through five. Yeah, he. Well, there you go. <laughs> and and you know he's obviously earned that with the the situations he's found himself in. Uh, I thought there's no way that the Reeves hit was dirtier than what Wilson did to the kid against in Jersey. Uh, in Jersey. Because I feel he had way more time to make his decision not to hit him. And he still ended up getting yeah. a piece of him. Uh, very unfortunate that uh, he hit his head on the ice. And I believe that he's probably got a concussion today. Is that is that the ruling? Well,
2: there- I saw him. He, he was getting off the ice and, you know, kind of had the, you know, the Bambi legs as he was getting helped off. So – I mean, immediately you think if somebody's in that sort of state, it's some some sort of concussion, and he and he was completely lighting up. So it sucks to see him get injured. So hopefully he's back quick. But I mean, that that was that was shoulder to shoulder. Um, it's just a, it's a big man that
3: caught him. I, and I think with um, considering the the social climate and how everyone has a voice, referees are under so much scrutiny right now. Where if it's a fifty fifty, I think more times than not they're going to say, hey. Let's just kick him out because at least, you know, whatever, yeah. he missed yeah. a period or, you know, a half a game. And, and it's it's not that serious as opposed to if it was dirty and you let him stay in the game, holy fuck, people are going to be, you know, they're going to have to put his parents or, or whoever if his family members are in witness protection program.
4: Because yeah, people well.
3: are psycho about the head hits now. So it's just better off just throwing him out of the game. I uh, don't think he deserved it. Don't think he got deserved to get suspended. And considering Wilson did get suspended for his, I thought there was no way that Rebo was going to get suspended for that.
2: Uh, also, that game was a quick reminder that although Alex Ovechkin is one of the greatest goal scorers to ever live, he is still a complete tank on the ice. Because I don't know if you saw a couple of his hits. He ran over Thomas Nosek in at the blue line just a complete butchering of him. Huge hit, and then he also ran across the ice, tried to kill Reeves too. Like he doesn't give a shit. So shout out to Obi for still playing like a savage.
0: Yeah, little chicklets on chicklets violence. I, I agree with you. It's hundred percent. It should have been a two minute interference uh, penalty, not even anything supplemental discipline. Obviously, he didn't get it. Um, people clamor for it. Yeah, how you doing? So good stuff uh, going around the league. Hey, I I, uh, I think I got to come back with a little gambling corner. What do you think, Biz? I think I got. I think I like a couple things tonight.
3: Well, okay. Well, here's the thing is, is I trust you because I know that you only go when you're feeling it. And last time you were feeling it and you feel like if you're not feeling it, you're like, I'm not going to put my, my friends of the podcast here, which we have a lot of them now. We have a ton of listeners and I'm assuming we have a lot of gamblers. Maybe even Grinnell can take some advice considering uh, he got bent over for 800 last night. How are you? What are they? What are they paying you? At barstool. Holy shit! Eight hundred. Bu- I wouldn't even bet eight hundred on games, and I'm a millionaire. It's just because I'm Damn. up so much. It's all the house's money. Started with a twenty dollars parlay.
2: And wow. I've told this kid, I've told this kid, just take a couple grand out to, like, maybe, like, have you know, a little money, put it towards your your rent. He's like, no, no, no. So when he goes to zero, which he will. You can remember Uncle, Uncle Witty Uncle told you to maybe put a little aside. It's like when you're at the blackjack table and I'm up all these thousands and maybe I put, you know, 10,000 in my pocket so that when I do lose, if I'm really drunk, I say, oh, my God, I actually still have the 10 I started with. And that's how you gamble. But Mikey Greenelli's not listening to me. So what's your what's your gambling corner? All right. What do you got last time you made me some money?
1: Guys, uh, real quick before we get to RA's Gambling Corner. RA's Gambling Corner is brought to you by Dollar Shave Club and I love that Dollar Shave Club has everything I need to look, feel, and smell my best. What I love even more is that the fact that I never have to go to the store. That's because Dollar Shave Club delivers everything I need right to my door and two, they keep me fully stocked on what I use so I don't run out. Here's how it works. Dollar Shave Club has everything you need to get ready, no matter what you're getting ready for. They have they have you covered from head to toe, from your hair, your skin, your face, you name it, they have it. And they have this new program where they automatically keep you stocked up on all the products they use. You determine what you want, when you want it, and it shows up right at your door from once a month to once every six months. And that's why I do it, because to be honest, I live in New York City now, it sucks having to go out walking by all these Pigeon homeless people. They're they're bothering you. They're asking you for change. People just don't leave you alone. It's so annoying. So, that's why I use Dollar Shave Club. And right now, they've got a bunch of starter sets you can try for just $5. Like their oral care kit. After that, the rest restock box ships regular sized products at regular price. So what are you waiting for? Get your starter set right now for just $5 at dollarshaveclub.com slash That's dollarshaveclub.com slash Two games tonight I'm looking at. Um, we all saw Columbus. Well, what night are you talking about? Well, to Thursday. because Thursday.
3: Uh, so tomorrow. Thursday. Jeez, wait, come on now.
0: Uh, well, I'm so, like, yeah, it's been a long day. Yeah, it's all right. A little vino going, too. Uh, so Thursday night, uh, Columbus is at Philly. Columbus was absolutely embarrassed at home the other night, gave up a nine spot to Calgary. And uh, Torts has already said that Bobrovsky starting the game. That's uh, way ahead of schedule. They they announced it because uh, Bobrovsky does own the Flyers. They're at Philly, so you're going to get a really nice price. Uh, I'm going to take the Jackets for on the money line for two units and the puck line for one unit because like I said Bobrovsky owns the Flyers he's already got the start wow I'm dead so, against you on that game
3: Okay. Dead against you alright um I, I love him. when you guys yeah. do this because it, it becomes very competitive on Twitter, and I just sit back and watch. And one of what? you is going to get destroyed. What? He
2: left. He left Bobrovsky in for eight of the nine goals. He was furious. Bobrovsky was. And oh now, yeah! Now he's and now they're now going and, be pissed. Philly, and it's Philly's first game with Chuck Fletcher as the GM. I I just am against rear admiral on that one.
0: All right. Yeah. I think, I mean, I I would do it with any goalie who gets embarrassed like that when they come back the next game, I I think that they are, they're going to have a better effort either way. So yeah, I I like uh, Columbus in that game. And this next game, I like the avalanche are in Florida. Um, They had a rough going in uh, Pittsburgh Tuesday night. Uh, What's his name? Valamoff gave up six goals. They actually were down three, not in eight minutes in the game. They tied it up, gave my bet a little bit of a chance, but they pissed it away. They gave up six goals. I think they're going to rebound with a solid effort in, again, uh, like Florida They're playing the Panthers. So I would say in that same vein, look for a bounce back from Colorado. Take them on the money line. If Roberto Luongo gets the night off, throw a little something on the puck line on him as well. So just two picks, both tonight. Again, to reiterate, Columbus uh, on the money line and puck line as well. In Colorado, the money line, and if Luongo doesn't get the start, throw a little something on the puck line. So kind of weird. I
2: it um goes kind of weird that when Pittsburgh played in Colorado like a week or two ago, Colorado went up 3-0. Crosby got a hat trick 3-3. Colorado got three more 1-6-3. They go to Pittsburgh last night. Pittsburgh goes up 3-0. Colorado comes back, ties it up 3-3, and then Pittsburgh goes on to win 6-3. And they went on to win 6-3. Patrick Hornquist had the fastest hat trick in the history of the Pittsburgh Penguins, two minutes, and I think 47 seconds it took him to get a hat trick. So that was just an insane number. I can't even like well, – I, I could definitely like – actually, I won't even go there on what I could do in two minutes and 47 seconds. Mm-hmm. Go mm-hmm. ahead,
3: <laughs> Oh, I believe it was a natural hat trick as well. Yeah, he just he just got three goals in two minutes of forty-seven seconds. Obviously, oh, yeah. no. I, but a natural hat trick is is not special teams. I believe, right? It's a natural uh, hat trick. Is, is no? Just I think ball it's th- e- even strength.
2: No, it's the it's the three goals in a row your team scored. I I always thought.
3: Oh. I thought I thought a natural hat trick meant not on any special teams. It was just five on five.
2: No, I'm almost positive that if you score your team, like if you score three goals in a row, that you're oh, you, shit. that's a your natural hat trick. Something new. We, Sorry, You know I what? You I... know what? There, there's a chance we're both wrong.
3: Yeah. Like, oh. Oh. Shocker. Yeah. We want to start what? pronouncing names. Like, hey, they throw me, hockey. throw me some times tables.
2: How do these guys have a hockey podcast?
3: <laughs> <laughs> some Which? kid asked me today, "How do you guys prepare?" I'm like, "Oh, well, one, we don't." Wit does the times tables. R.A. smokes and drinks. Nah, no, I've been a good boy. I've been a good no, boy. No, you and, and this has been one of your best podcasts. You are absolutely buzzing right now. Thanks, guys. What, what, what did I say I did? Oh, I I study which states don't have state income tax. Yeah. And, oh, speaking and, of yeah, that, on the, goes on, tax code patrol. And then Granelli goes on dates he can't seal the deal on.
2: Yeah. Uh, and he can't win bets. Speaking of speaking of uh the the you and the state taxes thing. There's a, did you see the Instagram account that someone started? The spitting chicklets memes. Oh, memes? it's funny. They, Dude, The one it. they did of you of, uh, I don't even know who Kanye who, West and Trump. He, no, the, no. There was one of a guy from always sunny in Philadelphia and he's got like numbers and sheets everywhere. And it's like biz reminding us <laughs> what's <don't> <laughs> <to us. laughs>
0: there's
3: that actually, one of there's that. actually been a
2: couple of really, fun po- he put my legs like along a golf course. as like, like an out of bounds. <laughs> he's so, funny. So, yeah, he's good. A, he's couple- great. There's a couple really good ones. There's a couple really funny it's, ones. So
1: it's called Spit and Chicklets Memes? Spit and Chicklets Memes on Instagram. Oh, I got to check yeah, that yeah, out. Yeah, yeah it's, it's probably
3: yeah. R.A.'s fucking burner <laughs> account. <laughs> we, you can <laughs> just e- trip in all show. of us except for R.A. because he hasn't yeah. been turped yet.
0: Oh, my God. I'll have to uh, fix that. I mean, no, that's weird. <laughs> uh, um, Wits, Wits, we are just talking about the Panthers. Um, Your boy yan has got some fucking nice ink in SI. I know you guys don't read much, but a nice article on Keith Yandel in Sports Illustrated. You guys must have checked it out, no? Well, can you yeah, read yeah, it that for was us? Oh, I <laughs> <and then, laughs> we can,
2: will read it. Will be at the next time we record. By well, the time I was going
3: to say, read <laughs> that and then go over the names for the Seattle team.
0: Uh, these are the these are the names they were going to name the Panthers, starting off yard marks, <laughs> <laughs> the Andalopes. The this the was this. Game.
3: These were the names
2: that Buddy and Patricia Yandel thought about naming
3: before they named. Keith. Kevin. Uh, okay, yeah, now, you know, now that's all the girls names now if it was going to be a boy uh that article Gee. was great
2: that article is great i thought i thought the uh one of the coolest things was how keith said he's he thinks he's the only player in nhl history to never get room service because he's so right too when you're in the nhl and you're in these awesome cities on road trips why the hell would you wait around for some cold cold uh fries when you can go out and get a great dinner, see some sights, see some, uh, you know, action in the bar, action in the restaurant. So he doesn't ever stick around the hotel. He likes going around. He likes hanging out with the boys. So the article is about uh, Keith's Iron Man Street great. Now I, I've said before, I don't like talking about it. And as I'm doing right now, I'm knocking on wood three times with my right hand. So that's great. That's continuing to go, but it's, it's awesome to see an article really kind of talk about Keith because although he is our boy, he is severely underrated. I, I think it's a joke how much he, he, never gets enough respect and the season he's had this year might be his best to date.
3: I think this is going to be his ninth or 10th consecutive year, uh, which I think he's in the group of like three or four defensemen who have at least got 20 or six or more in consecutive years, which well, I mean, people would say, well, 20 is not that many, but like when you can do it, you know, nine or ten years in a row, it is. You know, you're in the obviously, best league in the world. You are not know, well, in men's league. Well, and of course, we're talking about the Ironman streak, and that's another big reason why he can do it. It uh, doesn't look like super in shape. He he doesn't have like a jacked body, but uh, he 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 trains very hard in the summer. He would always come into Arizona as one of the most fit guys in camp. I believe he was the most fit for three or four of those years in a row. Um, so he takes his off ice very seriously uh, regarding the meal thing, like far and away the best part of my time with Arizona was uh, we'd always have about six or seven guys go out to dinner every single night before the game on the road. It was unreal. The conversations, the stories, and, and, you know, it, just as much as the locker room, I remember those meals. And actually when Keith was in town last year, uh, me, him, Pyatt and Gordo ended up going out to uh, Mastro city hall and we had, a, we had one for the, the old times, and it was uh, – we, Just we really was, good wine, oh, good buddy, steaks, everything we were,
2: passed around. Keith getting
3: the bill. Keith, Keith did get the bill. Yeah, he did. I was yeah, so yeah, he did. We had no choice. I would have <laughs> fucking lost it. Uh, he would, hey, he would, I would have broke his Ironman streak because I would have fucking broke his jaw. <laughs> uh, no, but um, I, I believe we were at Mastro's for about three and a half, four hours. It was just, we we didn't want to leave the dinner. It was, he's such a fucking awesome guy. I know we talk about him so much on this podcast, but one of of my favorite teammates ever, if not the favorite.
0: Yeah, we want to, you know, let people know if they didn't see the article to go check it out. I mean, he's a fucking power play savant out there. He's got 17 of his 20... 25 points have come on the power play also um they did the hockey fights cancer initiative last week i don't know if you guys saw he held the sign for a, a, a cop who died in boston sergeant dan Bosso. that was a my buddy who passed away when i had to take a couple bereavement days a, a few weeks back so a lot of people were touched by the fact he did that it was a small gesture maybe to him but it meant a lot to a lot of people that he did that it certainly did to me because he was a good pal of mine so thanks to keith for doing that also a couple uh, biz, I was saving this for you. Doug Jarvis, he's got the Ironman record. 964 consecutive games played. His first game was October 8th, 1975. He played until October of 1987. The guy was 5'9", 170 pounds, played every single game for 12 straight seasons, and the streak ended on a health bomb. But. <gasps> but i will i got to give us coach this though so it was agreed to before the season that he wasn't going to get in every game cuz he was starting to get old and like tail off oh, i guess the okay. so it was agreed before the season but you think they might have waited until he tweaked something but yeah but he has the
2: record at some point so like when do you stop you know what i mean like when they scratched him it was like the you have the record by so much so it's kind of if you're going to pull them, you're going to scratch him like at some point this has to end um
3: and, and it's nice that they were up front with him and said, "Hey, listen, this is the drill here like and then obviously he agreed to it. If he didn't, he would have tried to either move on to another team or he didn't even have that option. maybe they were like hey we're gonna we're gonna sign you, but not to fucking drop this on you two games into the year, but we we're gonna help on you, did you, but, you, did, you guys,
2: did you guys see uh at the Miami heat game, like Dwayne Wade went to save a ball like jumping out of bounds and like ran into Barkov from the Panthers.
3: No yeah, way. Yeah, yeah dude. And like, and like, about
2: and, yeah. yeah, and, like, dude, like, he barely kind of bumped into him, and, like, you know, all of a sudden he's like, holy fuck, call 911. He's like, oh, boss stretch, get a stretcher over here. And Barkov's just like, dude, I'm fine. But it's like, <laughs> NBAers are like, oh, my God, how is this guy okay? He just got hit in the head, and he's not fucking laying down on the ground. So Barkov said, yeah, you know, I just, he, could, he couldn't get out of the way. I guess Dwayne Wade said they'd met before. He's like, I tried to jump over him, but he was too big, but I still got a kick out of that.
0: Yeah, Didn't D-Wade d tweeted at him, said, hey, sorry about that. And Barkov said, oh, don't worry. I took a picture with himself wearing a helmet, like, out of uniform. He had, like, a T-shirt and put a helmet on. So they had a nice (laughs) little joke about it. Ah, Barky's got jokes. Pretty good. Actually, guys, we were just talking about Massachusetts players. I just want to give a shout-out to a fellow Masshole, Kyle Zitch. Uh, He's a forward for the U.S. National Sled Hockey Team. He's from out um, in Springfield, Indian's territory. He's a South Hadley guy. He had his first-ever game for the national team Monday versus Canada. He scored a goal, was named the player of the game in a three-nothing win over their rivals up in Canada. It was the first uh, Paralympics game that uh, Canada and the U.S. faced each other since the gold medal game. I was told he's a big chickens guy, so I wanted to give him props in his first game. He got his first tuck, so uh, cheers to him, and uh, let's hope we get
3: some more for the for the national sled team. That's awesome. Very well said, R.A. Right. And, boys, we, uh, we were talking about one f- team from Florida. I feel like we have to mention Tampa Bay. I know uh, – Every year, well, in, in recent memory, they're coming into the year as, as one of the favorites. Uh, they're now at 43 points. They've been on a bit of a roll, too, and they lost their starting goaltender uh, four wins in a row. They have a record of 21-7-1 for 43 points. They're tops of the league right now. So, uh, fuck, man, tw- plus 29 goal differential. That is a great team. I God, I always feel like they tail off at the end of the year, though. They just you know, come out that, guns. That.
2: And- last year, Vlasilevsky was tired. I think they're. I think they're set to possibly win it this year. They're okay, so, so this
3: good. is his little
2: break. Yes, and unfortunately, it's injury. But like last year, he obviously it was his first time being a starter, right? With Bishop gone for the first first year. And I think that it was just tough on him. And now, although it's injury, that sucks. He still is getting rest. And I just – they're like, Hedman and McDonough have been so good. Their forwards are unreal. Kucherov and Point have this amazing connection. So that team, I mean, they almost look unbeatable a lot of games. They have no weaknesses. So you're right, Biz. I'm glad we shouted out the uh, lightning. They deserve yeah, it. And
3: on their tops of the league, I feel like we haven't really touched on them at all this year. Um, there's a couple other teams overshadowing them early on. But what's amazing is they've been able to scale up. Scale up. I didn't notice you were saying that that much. Before. Yeah, I said it like 20 times last hey, time. So quickly, one, two,
2: quickly, before we finish, are we done? Are we done pretty much? All right, before we finish, if this is the biggest pet peeve of mine today I was waiting outside. Okay. I'm walking into this, this hotel. All right. And I'm holding the door. I I saw someone behind me. They're probably like, like, how do you decide when to let him in? You know, the guy was like 10 yards. Like it's kind of right where you're, you're gotta hold it. Like if he's 15 yards, I'm going, but 10 yards, I'm like, all right. So, you know, I turn around, I'm holding it. And then like, he sees me, this asshole, keeps walking at the same pace that he was walking before I was holding the door. Like if somebody in front of you was holding the door for you, you got to put a little hop. It out. Out. Unless it's an old it out. If it's some old person, like I understand, dude, take your time. You know, don't, don't bust your hip. Just wait. I'll, I'll, I'll hold the door. This guy was like my age and he just continues to walk slow holding the door. So he get up. I'm like, dude, no hop in your step as I'm holding the door. He's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, forget about it. He's such a mutant. I could tell by it. I was just like, this is unbelievable. Like, if someone's holding the door, I'm going to give it, like, even if it's a fake jog, you know, it's like a quick high knee. This
3: asshole. Hey, at least fake it or. S- thanks. At least fake it and start breathing a little heavier or, or something. <laughs> give me something. Give me but some I, sort of like effort. Okay, so I agree. It's, it's, a, if, even if I'm on a sidewalk and there's a guy g- trying to turn right. Like I'm jogging it out so they can turn or I'm waving them past. I'm just saying, go, like go now and I'll 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 walk after. Like I'm very courteous when it comes to like letting people go. But if somebody yeah, held the, the door, two things. If I'm for whatever reason unable to jog it out, which would be never if you're that lazy, you at least gotta go, like, no, no, don't worry about it. go ahead. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, don't if hold you the say door. Say that yeah. and, and let the person go. Yeah, you don't need the jog out. But at least say, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. Acknowledge that, hey, I appreciate what you've done for me. But just, you know, don't worry about it. Hey, Bill, right, what, what about the Seattle scale-ups?
2: All right, that was it. <laughs> um, guys, uh, listeners, thank you as always for listening. I love you guys. And Ari, you're just so dumb. <laughs> oh,
3: Okay, Einstein. I actually, I'm high enough to like that one tonight, Ari. Right? Hey, have a great weekend, everybody. This was fun. See ya. Yeah, see you, boys.
1: Tell your story